this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hey everybody, welcome back to Orange is the New Cast, the officially unofficial podcast for sh- uh, Showtime's, Netflix, HBO's, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, you can only get it on Netflix, uh, it's uh, Orange is the New Black, it's it's the early morning cast edition, super early for you, Pialani, uh, who's joining me in the studio today, remotely, in California, nothing I say is true, uh, every, th- every, every three sentences, one will be a lie. It's up to you, the listener, to determine which one is which. Uh, welcome back. You're the, you're the only one that survived the uh, roster carnage of the previous year. I know. I made the cut. It's incredible, isn't it? It's, you know, I, I don't, I, this sounds meaner than it is, because honestly, this is such an <laughs> aggressive schedule that, you know, um, I didn't think some could do it, and some said they couldn't, and then others had family obligations. And, right. You know, you you you, uh, you got to go to podcasts with the the host you got. That's right, and unfortunately, I'm uh, the one you got. <laughs> but part of it is because I don't actually host my own podcast. Yeah. So it's easy for me to say I can do you know three recordings in the next couple of weeks. Well, yeah, and it's um, that's the thing, especially like with Nina, it's Game of Thrones season, and right. uh, it's that's that's a busy season anyway. Right, no, and she's I, writing a book and doing all the other things that she does and running her entire website. So. Sure, sure. It, it's uh, it's crazy. But um, we're talking about season four. Uh, this is for episodes uh, 404 through 406, including Dr. Psycho, We'll Always Have Baltimore, and Piece of Shit. <laughs> um, do you want to talk up front a little bit about what you think of the season so far sure. and then sure. kind of like uh, maybe an overview of the episodes and we could just start talking about the characters yeah that sounds about great them. talking shit about the characters I, you know i always talk shit about piper especially yeah. this season she seems to be mm-hmm. asking for it that's that's well, whoop, that's that's some loaded language uh <laughs> her actions seem to be inviting repercussions uh upon her person that's oh, not, just not a really tad, better. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Just a tad. Yeah. So um, I actually wound up watching the first four or five episodes while I was stuck on layover that was delayed from Atlanta to L.A. Mm. So I watched the first five on my phone. Um, one thing I'm really happy about is that even though you're talking about Piper um, deserving a lot of uh, disdain, mm-hmm. the season is much more Piper light than I expected. Really? I mean, that, I that, feel like she's a thread through the whole thing, but we get a lot more, we're getting a lot more juice from other characters. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, the, I feel like they tried, they started pivoting away from that last season because they're like, realize, wow, she's literally the least interesting thing about the prison anymore. And, and even though she's arguably kind of like the lighter V, uh, this <laughs> season, cause she's instigating a lot of this shit. Um, and I meant like light as in lightweight, not skin tone, but, Honestly, it works both ways. Well, um, it literally works both ways for this season, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, but but yeah, like it, she's really. I mean, Alex is a bigger part of the show 
than she is. Mm-hmm. When that's mm-hmm. that, that, they were always the two horsemen of the apocalypse. Like when they'd show up, I'm like, oh god, when can we get back to an interesting thing? But I really like what's going on with Alex this season. Yeah, I'm glad that Alex is uh, not just the paranoid character that she was in season three. Sure, sometimes but, you know, they really are out to get you. Yeah, every time she pops up on screen, I think to myself, "Gosh, she looks like a bit moji to me." Uh huh. Because her eyebrows are always perfect, and she's got those dark frames and dark hair. And I'm like, how imprisoned could she possibly look that perfect? Like, does she have t- her eyebrows tattooed on her or something? <laughs> well, I mean, her and Morello, they just got that makeup game on lock. I know. Oh, Morello. So one thing I wanted to, because I don't think me and Cecily saw eye to eye on it on the last set episodes. Do you think that Alex is in the clear with the attempt on her life? Because Mm-mm. I took it as no, she's not. And I think Cecily thinks it's like a done deal. Well, I, mm, I think that... I'm still curious. How far did you get in the season? Are you? Are you? I'm just through done? six. Nope, okay. I'm not oh. done yet. I'm just through six. Oh, you're the unsullied one this time. I right? am. I am. Yeah, I was. I've been sick all weekend, so I actually watched up through ten. I, I wanted to watch more, but I honestly, my ass is so sore <laughs> from watching so much television the last two days. Like I had to watch <laughs> six hours of television. Um, and that's just the first watch. That doesn't include the repeats and the notes right. taking. Like that's just that's so funny. It's a lot even for me. Right. Usually people say my ass is so sore from the CrossFit that I did nope. or from the, you know, 22 mile bike ride that I did. Nope. What does Aaron say? It's it's my the, what do we say to the god of sore asses? Not today. <laughs> <laughs> it's so about Alex, do I think she's in the clear? Um, hmm, I'm trying to think of where we were for it to episode six. I, I feel like we're meant to think she's in the clear. OK, which means who knows what's going to happen in episode, you know, seven, eight, nine. Um, well, because could, they are in a precarious situation. There, there's evidence, right? And not it, far away. And it's not just like in the clear as far as whether Lolly is going to break and all that, but also, <laughs> I, I guess I just never bought that she could kill this assassin and that would be it. Like eventually, I feel like the, you know, her former boss is going to find out she's still alive and that assassin is not going to check in because he seemed like he was a regular, familiar part of the crew, right, right. or at least his go-to assassin. And, you know, we're, it's there's still going to be some kind of bill that has to be paid. Right. So you don't think that the boob shot was enough to prove to uh, her former boss that she's really dead? I mean, I think it's going to buy her time for sure. But mm-hmm. the next time he needs someone killed and he goes to call, is the name Sayed or... Sayed? Is that right? Is that, is that, it could it be, but like... I also watched a bunch of Lost yesterday. Cause that's, oh, <laughs> shit. I watched way more than six. It, it's more like 12 hours of television because I forgot about <laughs> oh, the whole no. three episodes of Lost thing that we did for Commission God Cast. Love ya. God love you, Aaron. Everything for the fans. You know, and that's the thing. Um, uh, one thing, if you want to do something critically uh, that I don't recommend, is back-to-back watch Orange and the New Black, Lost, <laughs> and Game of Thrones. Only three imagine. of the most swollen rosters of television. Right. How do you keep the characters straight for all of those? Um, poorly, as it mm-hmm. turns out. Okay. Because this guy could be Sayed, um, or I could right. just be misremembering him from the guy in Lost. So. <laughs> right. And that sounds like the uh, podcast that was out with... Uh, um... My my six a.m. brain is not remembering. That's okay. right. That's what the magic of editing's for. Yeah, thank you. What were you saying? You're saying that it reminds you of the podcast for. What was that NPR podcast with the uh, the kid in Baltimore? 
<laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Who was that? What was that kid's name? It wasn't. It was um, See, Anand. Both of us. It was Anand. 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 Yeah, that's it. So I think. I don't know. It was. I was but like, his last name had an S. Oh my god, this is horrible. I have to apologize to all the listeners for my my drugged up brain. Can't remember his name. Well, like I said, I that's 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 a whole season ago. So um, I just feel like that not only is there the peril of if someone's going to find because that's the other thing I was talking to Cecily about. Like that skull is going to be there for a couple of years minimum. Mm, a couple of years, I would think. Like right. I, rem- I mean, the, the bones aren't going to decompose. That just the flesh is going to decompose. I mean, eventually bones will, but like I was talking a story about how like some Civil War era tree blew over in some <laughs> field, and there's a whole bunch of skulls and bones in the roots that people were saying like these were like 150 year old bones. So, wow. yeah. like yeah. you know, if someone's eventually going to dig up these tomatoes, zucchinis, etc., and uh, you know, till the ground. And I guess now that it's a little bit less dangerous and red is a prize of the situation mm-hmm. so maybe they can take some steps but right yeah there's well, there's multi-pronged dangers confronting alex definitely and i think because litchfield is now a for-profit prison who knows how long they're going to have the garden in itself they may do something where they you know cement over it and create some other sort mm. of building or more housing or something right because yeah. they're so overcrowded and we don't know what mcc is going to be doing with the facility yeah. So, do we? Do you want to talk about anything else about um, plot or like uh, just general impressions, or should we kind of move right into the meat of these three episodes? Yeah, I think just really, you know, highlights are I'm I'm enjoying this season a uh-huh. lot more than season three. Uh-huh. I felt like season three was really uneven, and I feel like sure. this one is pretty solid. I mean, I'm up to season ten, and I'm still compelled to continue to watch it. And uh-huh. That's not usually my style. Usually I'm like, uh, I'll watch it when I have time, but uh, right. it's been really good so far. Yeah, I really I... like Maria's character. I think that yes. actress is doing a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. So I'm impressed with that. So I'm excited to talk about her. So we definitely have some, some of her storyline to talk about in these three episodes. I feel like the new faces are helping too. That, you know, but, yeah. we, we like not just in the inmate side, like the fact that the guards have essentially all recycled too. Definitely. Um, I think that is, you know, interesting and uh, it's it's neat. I like a lot of like the man. I'm of two minds as Piscatella guy because mm-hmm. they he, <laughs> he comes in like Darth Vader and you think it's going to be all boo hiss. But then it seems like he is pretty conscientious about doing his job and he takes it serious about keeping the, the women safe and, you know, treating them humanely. And then you find out uh, he's a big cuddly gay bear um, which I, I knew there was a reason I liked him. It's, it's you know, such, bear recognized it was so bear. Subtle, right? It was so <laughs> subtle too the way they did it. It was really uh-huh. good. Yeah, like I like that reveal. Uh huh. Essentially, that Piper can't cute be cutesy right. with him. But then she's trying to bat her eye eyelashes, and she's like, "Look, woman, never gonna work for me." Right. But then he it's does good. seem kind of racist about the prison gang stuff. But as we've talked in previous dis- seasons, like racial gangs and prison is a real thing and if you're a correction officer and you've got a prison that doesn't really have that that's probably the last thing you want to see come through the doors so i have a lot of complicated feelings about piscatella what do you yeah, think about him well i think uh i think he's definitely by the book and um trying to usurp his or you know order right he wants to make sure that he's running things so that the warden doesn't have to worry about the details which is what his job is as the the guard that's in charge of all correctional officers. But I think the race thing is tough. It just happens. I can't think of any correctional officers who aren't white this season. Mm. Right? So that in and of itself... There's a couple, like the guy who's running the shoe, 
I know oh. that he was uh, he's a black man that I don't think we've seen before. They're all down in the shoe though, right? Yeah. I mean, in terms of interacting with the the overall general population. Right. I can't think of anyone who's a Yeah, uh, and all the new guys who are veterans uh who seem to be to a man shit birds. Uh <laughs> except for the the lady who she's got a little bit more nuance to her. Uh yeah, they're all they're all white dudes too. Yeah. Uh, before we get too much into that, I want to talk about what did you think about what's going on in Sophia? Because she's oh. been left to rot and shoe, and it's pretty heartbreaking. And also, for some reason, I don't understand why Caputo seems like he's lying to her about what his, you know, what her wife thinks about the situation and how much support she's got on the outside. Um, I and, and I, you know, Caputo is like I want to like him because he's done a lot of good things for the prison in the past seasons, and even though he's kind of a pervy creep, he, he does seem to try to protect others from his perviness and creepiness. But I, what he's trying, what he's doing here with Sophia seems indefensible. Yeah, I feel so sorry for Sophia. You know, I've been trying to stay completely unspoiled about this season, but um, Laverne Cox, who plays Sophia had something posted on her Instagram account uh, about how sad her Sophia's storyline was going to be. And it really is tragic so far. And I I couldn't remember why they can't let her out. Is it just because MCC wants to leave her there to quote unquote protect her? Because it makes no logical sense to me. It it did seem like it was one of those things where um, they couldn't adequately protect her from the hate crime that she was experienced last year and she yeah. threatened to sue. So this, uh, this pref, pro, you know, this profit motivated, motivated prison decided to put her into protective custody, which is the same as solitary confinement. But does that mean she's not getting her medication? Cause she must need her hormone therapy and all well, that stuff. Are they still that, giving that to her? Cause her, she's not looking good. She's looking just, you know, right. she's, she's getting depressed because she's alone. You know, even in episode four, she talks about, just needing a blanket because she can't sleep. Sure. And then, you know, if you're exhausted and you're depressed and you're isolated, that yeah. can't be good for your mental health. And she just starts to downward spiral. Yeah. And I'm always trying to with with this character, I'm trying to decide uh, with her physical appearance. Are they trying to make her look like a person who just has been not allowed to see your mirror and maybe not be able to. Uh, keep up their appearance as much as they've been accustomed to, or are they trying to suggest that she's getting, you know, this this hormone treatment is kind of reversing because she's not on the medication? Like it's a fine line between, you know, someone because and that's the thing. Like I don't even know how to talk about this honestly, Pialani, because, because like I worry that it's just going to be yeah. Because it's like mm-hmm. if I say she's literally scruffy looking. Um, am I implying that she's got five o'clock? Sh- I, you know, I, I don't even know how that works, honestly. And there's, I got so right, many questions right. and, and right. I, I don't know enough to, to say like, oh, this is what they're definitely doing to the character. I mean, obviously, she's having a real bad time. And right. it's one of those things where like, I think my worst nightmare, if, if we're not going to go like being burned alive or drowned or something like that, is being like committed to an institution against one's will. Mm. And just being like, you know, trying to say, like, I'm a sane person and deal with the bureaucracy that just doesn't not even interested in hearing your side. And this is Mm -hmm. triggering all that stuff for me because, you know, she can't get an audience with Caputo. She can't even get the guards to listen to her. She can't get her former friend um, or friend of me or whatever, Nikki, to help her for very good reasons. And she resorts to. You know, flooding her cell and and setting fires. And I'm. 
I don't know how dark they're going to get with this because yeah. on the one hand, she could, through her civil disobedience, back her way into a legit, you know, solitary confinement charge that she's never going to escape from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from the outside looking in, if I'm a judge reviewing this case and I've got this prisoner is causing all these problems and the fact that I'm kind of biased against prisoners in the first place because, mm-hmm. you know, they're in right. prison. Prisoners. And they're felons and all that. I just, man, like, I could see her doing something and the prison so understaffed. Like, what if she had started that fire and she died from smoke inhalation before someone noticed it? Right. Or, or if, you know, someone else died from smoke inhalation. And now she's and got a, lot a mur- of things could have happened. Yeah. Now, and now she's stuck in shoe for the rest of her life. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Like, I would like to see the people that care about her on the outside banding together and, and figuring something out, but we i don't i don't know i don't have any confidence that that's going to happen yeah i think for the show um as an individual character you know she's going through she's suffering from complete injustice she has no voice she's completely isolated but you know in light of the the things that are happening in, in our larger society today she's almost a reflection of the transgender community having no voice and so having to take very activist steps and having to be very clear about um, you will listen to me. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel like Sophia is also a reflection of that sort of on the outside in the outside world. Right. Um, and the drastic steps that they have to take and the the suffering that this community has gone through in general um, because they're misunderstood and they're seen as such a threat. And I mean, I they're even kind of marginalized within the the, the greater LGBTQ mm-hmm. community because, know, like, they're mm-hmm. a subset of a subset of almost a subset. And then right. if you add race, you know, like, you're talking about a person like Sophia is a slice of a slice of a slice of a community. And they're just, you know, that's going to get drowned out by the larger issues right. that face everyone. It's, right. it's challenging. Yeah. Transgender women of color are, you know, the... They're the victims of more hate crimes within the LGBT community in general. And like the suicide rates off the chart? Absolutely. Because of Absolutely. just dealing with all that? Absolutely. Yeah. So Sophia's storyline is definitely not, you know, the fun, light, let's do your hair and make you look fierce this yeah. year. She's really suffering and it's it's sad. And, you know, the the only thing about that opening scene when we see her, you know, we obviously know it's the shoe immediately, but they shift into how they're sharing information in the shoe, right? They have those little, yeah, I, that thread of, they, I think they called them kites. But yeah, what it, yeah. Uh-huh. What it reminded me of was sort of the prison version of Snapchat, right? Because they're sending messages <laughs> back and forth and there's, there's pictures and there's words, but it's really, it has to be very short. Uh-huh. Um, and it's tough, right? How do they get a paperclip and a thread? And they're, it was incredible. That's like this, it's like the whole um, Biggie Slow Roach deal from episode two. It's like, <laughs> no. I don't, or the season two, I don't really understand how that all works, but I was fascinated because they're just flying <laughs> along the, the, and I'm like, are they getting down on the hands and knees and blowing them across the, yeah. is, is that what they're doing? They're just blowing them across yeah. the hall? How do you trade a Biggie Small? How do you trade one? <laughs> I, I, I don't, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting because, like, you know, life finds a way. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember reading a book about, um, like, soldiers in Vietnam being in prison in Hanoi, and they had this system mm-hmm. where they would type Morse code along the plumbing pipes to speak to each other. It seems like there's no way if the human spirit, the human spirit craves yeah. connection and communication so much mm-hmm. that if there is any kind of crack open to exploit that, um, it's, it's going to happen. So I, I hope we find out more about that system because I think it's fascinating. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, anything else we want to talk about? I mean, I know that um, I guess we could roll in Nikki's plot um, since they're, they're kind of um, touching each other in some way. Um not literally, but not literally. Um, I thought I that was a very it was a big surprise. I because I didn't follow any casting news. I've been immersed in Game of Thrones, and um, you know, Orange and the New Black has kind of happened on our schedule, so I didn't see a lot of like preseason hype. Completely unprepared for the return of Nikki, but and the way they did it seemed like entirely natural. Like we're covering her cleaning duties and Max, and part of those duties are you know looking after the shoe. And um, I, I, I guess it was it was nice to see her, and also the fact that they still haven't forgotten their her unfinished business with Loose Check. Um, I don't know. It's uh, what what did you think of her storyline? I was really excited to see Nikki. I wasn't sure what they were going to do with her, um, but was the first time we saw her actually in the AA meeting? I want to say. I think it was. Yeah, but, or maybe we saw her cleaning the hallway of the shoe for a very brief scene. Ah, uh, yes, and that was oh, – you're right, you're right. That was back in episode four. We did see her sort of towards the end of the episode. Yeah, but um, – and then my question, I guess, with the AA meeting is – or I guess it was the Narconon or, or – I thought it was NA, but she specifically said AA. So I thought, well, okay. that, maybe they just lump all of the addicts together Probably. because they can't do multiple – Yeah. Multiple meetings. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was interesting how, and I don't know if this is just like, you know, a bureaucratic thing or if, but um, how they issue these three-year tokens, but then they're immediately confiscated by the cards. Right. That was horrible, right? Because a, a, a coin, is that what they call it? I it's, it's such a big deal yeah. when you earn that. But but I have a question. Sure. How could she be sober three years? Has she been down there for three years? Well, no, 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 not at all. Um, did she ever do her- – I don't think she ever did heroin in the classic storylines. Oh. Like so she, she was always like, tempted uh, and it was always around and she was involved in moving with Loose Check, which we knew was a bad idea. And I, I think the reason if, – if I recall correctly, the reason she's in this is because you know her and Loose Check m- made this deal to move this heroin out and to make right. some money. Right. And she – couldn't resist setting a little bit aside for herself and that is the stuff that she got busted with but before she ever actually got a chance to um to 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 partake it and i like how she said in the meeting like you know i or i don't know she said in the meeting but she said it to somebody that you know i've been kind of sober but white knuckling it for Mm -hmm. like all these years and now i'm kind of like sober as a as a conscious choice right and I I like I like that, but right. on by the, by the, on the other hand, boy, it's a weird karmatic wheel because Loose Check, to make himself feel better, apologizes and gets Nikki all riled up, and then I think what's happening is that she is going to get heroin to get a release from this at the exact same time that events are happening outside of her knowledge. It's going to put her back into. The minimum security prison. And, like, how is this going to go wrong? I mean, no, I'm so pissed off at Loose Check this season. Well, I don't remember him he is being a piece this of big shit. of a douche. Is he, <laughs> was he that bad? Because he's horrible this season. So that's something means us were debating when we were watching it. And she said, kind of like Loose Check did, too, that, like, you know, it's not like she came to Loose Check. Right. But, like, every time I try to evaluate these relationships between prisoners and guards, I always remember that it's the guard who is presumed to have the, you know, the, the responsibility and the power 
to do the right thing. It's like, you know, if, a, if a, it's like Bennett and Daya, like, I, you know, that was a sweet love story until you realize, oh, yes, this is all at best statutory rape because there's so many coercive things about the power imbalance in general that, you know, you can't have prisoners giving consent. And that's something that they've they've kind of hammered home the last few seasons. So sure, sure. when Nikki comes to Loose Check and says, I want to move all this heroin and let's make some money. Loose Check knew like, oh, well, you're a heroin addict. This is a bad idea. But you know what? I want to make money more than I care about fucking up your situation which is why i think that's the source of why he really feels true guilt right because it's his fault you can rules lawyer your way out of any personal culpability but i think he knows that's pretty hollow because he's the guard he knows that she's trying to be clean and sober and also they were friends and i don't feel like you know as a friend he should have been like look I know the money's attractive and all this stuff, but, you know, you really can't be around this stuff. It's a bad idea. He sort of started out that way, saying he didn't want to do it. And then once they jumped into it and she got busted, he just put his hands up and said, well, it's all you. And that's that's, what I think Cecily's argument was, that he said at the outset, like, look, if you get busted or if anything goes down, you're going down for it. I'm not taking the fall for this. So it's he's right. like, he's just doing what he told her he'd do. But I guess it's de- depending on whether you need to go back another layer and say, is that sufficient moral cover <laughs> an ethical cover for him to operate from? Apparently not. Cause his own conscience isn't letting him. No. Let I mean, I rest. think the guards, the guards as much as the prisoners have really low self-esteem and are trying to deal with their own psychological baloney. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he was trying to make money because he was getting beaten up on the outside, right? He didn't have much of a life, and mm-hmm. he's sort of an alcoholic who drinks butterscotch snops, of all things, mm-hmm. and just pitiful life. And um, he thought the money was going to help him with his life, but he realized that that was a big mistake. But Can he's I, a douche this season. Oh, I can't stand him. He is. And I want to – so the other thing I want to talk about, and first I, I, I want to make sure that I people know that I'm not offended and not concerned trolling, but I thought it was interesting – that the situation, and and maybe I'll get in trouble for even saying this, but you know what? I'm a human. I don't understand things. I ask questions, and um, one of the reasons I cover this show is because it it, it gets me outside my comfort level a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to be aware and you know, kind of enlightened and woke, and what, what all the kids are saying nowadays. Yeah. Um, we all know you're an ally. So I try. I try to be. I don't. I'm not. You're on the ally. You need that shirt for <laughs> Orange is the New Cast. I'm not perfect, but I I I, I do try to fight for a little guy and gal. Um, so I thought it was interesting that Nikki and Luzchek are essentially in the same position where they're trading sex for favors. Mm. Um, Nikki's doing it. This is just straight up prostitution, right? You give yeah. me heroin. I will suck your clit. Yeah. Luzchek was, I thought you were doing this for, f- as frenzies and now you're obligating me to do something. And also... You're a rich celebrity who could get me in trouble if if I don't play along. And who are they going to believe me? The scofflaw. And I felt like it was it was a little bit more than prostitution, maybe a bit a little less than than rape because I don't think it was completely non consensual. But it was played for comedy broadly. Whereas you know mm-hmm. Nikki got the full oh this is ominous and the music was dramatic. And I'm not saying because you know God yeah. knows us guys can take some lumps in here. Um, But I just wonder, like, I don't know how that sits with me because, you know, do you have to does the pendulum have to swing to the other side where we're making fun of a guy getting taken advantage of sexually against his will and kind of playing that with the the, for, for, 
broad comedy or can we just kind of like maybe steer a course for the straight and narrow going forward no yeah i think the core of it is judy king raped him because rape is all about power yeah right it's sure they set her character up in this season as you know she's a polyamorous so there's that she talked about how much she was a freak mama growing up and yep, into, you know, bondage into bondage and discipline and, and all these exciting yep. things in her 30s. But, you know, that's to me, that's consensual sex that an adult does. But and, and loose check was all she was liking this flirting. Sure. And all that I mean, stuff. you know, that's a fun conversation and he's not talking. He probably isn't getting any on the outside and he's talking about it. But Judy King still raped him because she had the power. As you said, she's a celebrity. They all know she's a threat. If she gets out, she can sure. sue the prison. Um so I think that it's the same thing regardless. It's somebody in power um, dominating another person regardless of the gender um, to get something that they want. Okay. Now, did you do you agree with my assessment that it was kind of played for laughs? And, and It was, but I, I mean, that's a trigger for so many people out there that uh-huh. it's it, it all depends on your lens that you're looking at yeah. it with, right? And that's the thing. Like, I'm not saying this because I'm offended. I'm just saying this because I'm trying to figure out <laughs> – what this kind of means and like going, you know, um, I don't know how uh, I, I was just confused by it because I just felt like, you know, obviously if this was a literally the opposite situation, if they had played the waka 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 music when Nikki was having to go down on the prison guard, people would lose their fucking minds, rightfully so. Belushchik gets the kind of waka 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 music when the older woman yeah. that's got that's rich and powerful uses her. Um, powers to make her go down on him or yeah, hit, you know, know, vice versa. I think interestingly enough, that Waka Waka music that you're referring to, that was one of the things that I had a problem with this season. Yeah. Is, you know, do you take a scene seriously or not? Because sometimes the, the track that they used, it was hard to tell whether it was supposed to be comedic or dramatic. <laughs> you and know, I, that's was the, that intentional. I don't know. Cause like, you know, color, the color purple is a great film, right? Yes. Number one criticism is they play caper music, you know, the light kind of dink, dink, dink music when Danny Glover is like going, yeah. you know, being super abusive to Whoopi Goldberg. Right. But I think that added to that movie in terms of how horrific her treatment was hmm. in my mind. I mean, it's been years since I watched it, but I mean, that's such a significant film for for a lot of people. Right. But I also think um, it was made in the 80s and like people <laughs> legitimately like I cuz in Orange and the New Black, if it was made in the 80s and it was made by by dudes, I feel like they would have put the waka waka music behind like <laughs> a lot yeah. of inappropriate things. And we'd see a lot of shoulder pads and high hair. And yeah, sure. And it's always a trip to go watch in like, you know, 80s comedies, like Fair especially enough. like frat oh, yeah. boy comedies. So where, bad. Yeah. yeah so- like, oh, we're just going to <laughs> eat. You're just going to perv on women that against their knowledge and record it and do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, everything's played for laughs. You're course. right. That's the last podcast I recorded six months ago. Uh, we reviewed um, Surf Ninjas. Okay. For, uh, I thought you were going to say the- Porky's. Or meatball. No, that would be even worse. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I I don't know if the listeners remember, but I train in martial arts, and so my friend who's on Core Temp Arts has a podcast, and he reviews older films. Mm -hmm. So he asked me to do Surf Ninjas with him, um, but it was completely eighties and um, to the point where it's Rob Schneider as one of the supporting characters. So Mm -hmm. it tells you how eighties it was. Sure. Oh man. Anyhow, we digress. He has a lot of cinematic crimes laid at uh, his feet. Horrible. Uh, okay, so I think that's about 
kind of all I want to talk about with Loose Check and Nikki, unless you want to talk about something more. No, I was happy to see Nikki back. And I think that um, before she made that turn to the dark side, she just seemed so happy and she seemed really clear and like really centered. But she was angry. Um, she had she a was white, hot, molten core of anger, yeah. and justifiably. Yeah. But some, but I mean, it, sometimes recovery is about letting you got, even though it's not right, like it, and you don't have to forgive, but to just kind of let it, you know, because that that stuff is, uh, it's a got, it's got a, it's got its hooks on you, and right. uh, that, I thought that scene where Loose Check came to the prison and apologized was powerful. Like she's so good in it, yeah. What's her but name, can, Natasha? Don't quiz me. Yeah, well, I think sorry. what they what they're doing with her character physically is the beginning, like the early episodes. Her hair isn't quite so wild, you know. It's it's more calm, even though she does have the crazy wild hair um, naturally. But as the episodes progressed, it got more bushy and more, mm. and her makeup got blurred, and so they just kind of did this whole physical transformation with her too. Mm. And it just made me really sad for poor Nikki. Natasha Leone, I think is. Thank you, Natasha Leone. Yeah, or Lion. I'm, I'm terrible at pronouncing things. Uh, let's talk about the uh, Doctor Psycho himself because man, <laughs> if there's one character that I consistently loathe, it's it's Healy, and they do a good job of showing how he comes by this shit honestly, and how he's gotten a lot of his prejudices against women, and you know, it's like it's not like he's set out for it, but. Dad didn't do a good job of, you know, both shielding him from his mother's mental illnesses and kind of put it in a proper context. And his mom, you know, apparently abandoned him in, well, by the time he was 10 or 11. And he's got a lot of residual anger and frustrations in dealing with that. But the way he de- – it's like it's painful to watch him – violate boundaries and do this nice guy routine and then how quickly it it turns like you know Mm -hmm. i thought it was chilling when he picks up his mother who turns out i my read on it it wasn't actually his mother oh did you You mean he picks up the mother you're talking about when they went to eat yeah when he had the diner full-grown adult yeah oh yes no it wasn't his mother okay so so bad job on recognizing your older mother i don't know that i would i I think i would recognize my mother on the street if i hadn't seen her i mean that's kind of like essentially my reality well Uh, if the last time he saw her was when he was 10 yeah right and she was perfectly quaffed you know that kind of what was that maybe the 60s Mm -hmm. you know her makeup was perfect her hair was perfect she's a good looking woman even though she had just gone through what electroconvulsive therapy like it yeah right Mm -hmm. you know treat it sounded like she was maybe schizophrenic or bipolar I don't. I mean, I that's that's because fraught with peril. Trying, and, yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely, she had some kind of delusional thing going, right? And like a lot of delusion. I think I thought they showed a good job with her and Lolly about how sometimes the deluded people, uh, you know, go that that's boy because I'm not. I've had any experience with this myself, but I have had a friend who had was was extremely bipolar, and he expressed to me that. He doesn't like he prefers not to be on medication because on medication, while he recognizes he's a more functioning person, it doesn't feel like himself and he misses the highs. So I feel like mm-hmm. that's what when she came to um, Healy as a kid and said, would you like mommy? I, mommy's thinking of stopping. Don't you you understand me? Don't you want me to hear the voices of the angels again? Uh, and when he's like, no, I you know, I'm your son and 
Yeah. I need you to be my mom and I don't want you to be crazy. And she's like, all right, well, I'm going to go take care of the sprinklers and I'm off. Right. Yeah. Because she was probably, they're probably giving her medication on top of therapy, which can't be comfortable. No. Right. She's like, she, you miss out. You, it erases memories. Yes. And medication makes them feel like they can't, like their arms can't move or they're sure. they're in a cloud. And uh-huh. that can't be comfortable either. If they don't have proper therapy, right. I think it's supposed to be much more holistic where they do talk therapy in addition to the medication but they didn't know back then in the 60s how to treat these kinds of mental disorders and that's the other thing we're still in the infancy of no, treating yeah. the mind like they're like i think it's instructive if you go and do research on these you know drugs that are like the whatever uptake inhibitors and uh, and all that stuff like if you go to wikipedia and read like almost all of them say the exact mechanism of this drug is poorly understood <laughs> Like, that's like for almost all of these medications, like we know they do something and we know they do kind of broadly the same thing for a broad swatch of people. But we just don't know, like we don't have the we're tuning engines without being able to know what's going on inside people's brains. And right. And everybody's chemistry is different. Right. So, I mean, I'll give you an example. So my daughter was diagnosed with ADHD at a young age. Sure. And rather than bringing her to a general practitioner, which is what a lot of parents do. I brought her to a specialist who specialized in child psychology, child psychiatry, sorry. So he was an MD and a PhD, completely Uh overeducated. But he said, this is my approach to medication. We go smallest dosage. Mm -hmm. We start with Ritalin because it burns off. The half-life is the shortest of all the medications. And we test. We test, we test, we test until we find the right dosage. He said a lot of times what happens with general practitioners is they put kids on long-acting ADHD medication like Mm. Concerta, Mm -hmm. and it's too much. And so the kids, they stop eating because it's too much of a stimulant in their body. They Mm. can't focus. They focus too much, but they can't live their lives because they're just kind of dulled. Mm -hmm. And so I think that you don't know because everybody's body reacts differently to chemicals. And if your brain chemistry is off, there's no way to measure that. Sure. It's just experiment, experimentation. And, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, couple that with, she was already a full grown adult trying to go through treatment. Just think what her whole life must've been like. Oh, and you can, or you can, I, I sometimes wonder, I mean, obviously she has some real underlying problems here with Mm -hmm. her brain chemistry, but also, there's a little bit something Stepford wife about it, the way her dad, the way her husband talks about, you know, this is a, this is a problem that only women have and lesbianism is a disease. (laughs) And the fact that she's always wearing these like super Betty Draper dresses and she's always got the perfect hair. It's like, I feel like that society's expectations upon her all we're not helping an already fragile situation. It's like, this is a shaky structural bridge and now you want to roll a tank over it. Right. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I mean this, and and that's the thing with Healy. It's just so cringy to watch him. He's this open pit of need and hostility. And as soon as he feels like someone owes him, he instantly like sprays, turns that upon him. Like you can't leave me because I'm the only one that can help mm-hmm. you. And like, it's just this, like Judy King said, abuse of power, mm-hmm. which of course, you know, pissed him off even more. And like, he seems to be the one character that four seasons in has done zero person. I mean, even a fucking rapist is getting <laughs> more personal growth than Healy. That's incredible yeah, that's to me. That's a good point. Like, That's a good point, yeah. Like, I forget the rapist name, Donut, but yeah, he Coates. seems to actually be doing some soul-searching about, well, fuck, I didn't, you know, and I think that's that's always something I've been interested in talking about, too, this fact that 
we are for the better redefining what rape and sexual assault is in the society. Like 40 years ago, getting a girl drunk and taking her home and taking advantage of her, which she's helpless was just a play out of the playbook. And now it is seen rightfully so as non-consensual sex, therefore rape. This is a seems like a more clear, but I think there's a lot of guys that like, well, I said, I loved you and mm. you know, you weren't like beating on her and, and I don't, I can't believe this is rape, but you can kind of see him puzzling over like, Oh shit. I don't want to be that kind of person. And I guess what I'm getting at is if you're a man and you realize, let's say, let's say you're a 55 year old man or you're a 35 year old man and you look back into your college days and you realize, shit, I rape women. What do you do with that information? Like go forth and rape no more. Do you have to make amends? Do you have to like, what should you go to you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's mm-hmm. that's you know, and, and I'm not saying like oh think of the men because well I guess I kind of am a little bit, but that's <laughs> because, something yeah, you, that you. you said, I mean, it's like yeah. it's like um, anytime you have at the end of a war, you have um, one of the processes you go through is not reparations, but where they kind of like try to understand the atrocities that happen on both sides and all the impacts, so you can quickly move beyond the hostilities and not have it just erupt again a few years later. I feel like that's mm-hmm. something that ha- we're going to have to do as genders adventure as, as, at some point mm. in this country. Yeah. You know, like I, I think, yeah, I think that the rape, the preponderance of rape is despicable in our country. Right. So we're, we're teaching young women self-defense versus teaching men how to not rape. Sure. And so I think that there's this, long-standing history of gender inequality mm-hmm. and so there was a time when you know you you're covering game of thrones right there's a time when the woman's role was to get pregnant which yes. means you need to be open to let your husband have his way with you whenever he feels like it mm-hmm. and i think that that's there's this this blanket of history of that kind of domination mm-hmm. by men over women mm-hmm. that we're, we're trying to breakthrough but mm-hmm. it's i mean there's again it's about power and it's about usurping your power and coats he thought it was all good because they had built this yeah, sort they of the ducks the donuts and, the yeah they, and she they was had, acting weird and she, that's probably because she needed some yeah no it's i and she, and she has a history of being sexually assaulted right so she's got her own shit also so it was like not she was completely betrayed not only was she raped which is it, despicable in and of itself, but she had already been assaulted more than once. And and so she's dealing with her own, you know... And that moment where she came and kind of told him, like, I'm just checking to make sure you're not raping anybody. Right, and they had, right. like, this incredibly honest moment where he's like, do you really feel like you're raped? And you could tell that she was kind of... Because Boo was the one that kind of helped her appreciate that, like, your lifetime of being abused has led you to condition that this is normal, and it is right. not. And right. like, oh shit! Like, I I'm kind of unwilling to see myself as a victim because that's kind of my coping right. mechanism for this. And poor Pensatucky, right? Because you could see her. She did su- the actress did such a great job. Yes. She was sort of balancing this her anger, but also a little bit of jealousy, maybe. Like you could see she was conflicted because the complicated scene for yeah, sure. Yeah, they. I mean, she was so I I couldn't read the emotions directly, but that's what I was thinking. Like she was so angry, and she wanted to protect Maritza, and mm. maybe she was jealous that she no longer had that connection to Coates or it was weird. Well, I think that she did. I mean, there's, I think she for sure misses what, how things were before, because that seems like she was genuinely enjoying his attention. And, you know, it's one of those things like in a different time or place, but 
Um, you know, that's why acquaintance rape is such a <laughs> brutal, yeah. devastating thing because it just, yeah. in a single stroke, completely recontextualizes yeah. how you feel about a relationship right. and how, uh, yeah. So, uh, I feel like for covering a comedy show, we're not being very funny right now, people. <laughs> <laughs> but is it really a comedy? Like, we, we had the conversation, right? I think season one is clearly a comedy, but it's, it's gotten much darker and, and moving from, comedy to dramedy to some cases drama because i think they won emmys in the dramatic category one I did, year I didn't they um i'm not i thought that they maybe did switch to drama last year which yeah. was a ballsy move because yeah. or ovaries move because that's <laughs> you're really it's widely considered easier to win if you're a dramedy and drama comedy than it is to you know it's, it's essentially going up a weight class because mm-hmm. now you're playing with the Mad Men's and the Breaking Bads and the Game of Thrones and the yeah, leftovers, and you're just—it's just a wood chipper of yeah. dramatic acting there. Whereas, I think it's kind of harder to do something like this, where at one point you're feeling sick in your stomach and like, oh god, I can't believe I'm seeing this, and then the next you're laughing like out loud at some of the shit that's going down or some of the cultural references. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I definitely went into the show thinking it was going to be a comedy, um, but they it got dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. And and they did. They were nominated one year, I think, as a comedy show and I think another year as a dramatic series. Right. So it's really interesting what they've done. But yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think it's I really like this season. I think that the performances are they're blowing me away. And we'll there's still there. funny stuff in them. It's it's no oh, longer absolutely. like there used to be main plots were just funny, like yes. Piper stalking the chicken in season one. Like that was just light and cotton candy mm-hmm. and something that's funny mm-hmm. for Red mm-hmm. to do. Fun. Mm-hmm. Where now it's like what's funny is Tasty making labels. I know, and like God, thirty different fonts and labels. So <laughs> and you know what's funny is I'm I'm opening up my own karate studio, so I bought myself a Brother Touch label maker. Oh, and you better believe I've got labels that are black background with white lettering sure white background with red lettering and i'm gonna type the hell out of labels i'm I, so excited i too have known the pleasure of a labeler it was because yeah. we bought one for our server room in one of my jobs and it was just like right? you once you start labeling stuff that's that's right? a that's it's uh you know there's six sigma involved and some iso <laughs> and like it feels good and just you can right. get really addicted to it yeah, just thumb typing things on labels. It was really <laughs> I'm excited, really excited. Shall we talk about um uh what do we want to talk about now? How about um Maritza? Oh, Maritza. That's who I I guess uh, it's funny because I call her Marzipan. Yes, you and do. Cecily super offended, like, "Oh, you can't call her Candy. It's Marisol, which is actually Flocka's <laughs> real name." So like I la- we I laughed so hard right in her face last night when we got to that point. Um <laughs> It's, uh, I like her backstory. She's a little, oh, a little hustler, a little con con I, artist. I'm so excited to see why she was in prison because we never knew. Um, Grand Theft Auto, apparently. I mean, right? that's that's she, a reason. <laughs> work, yeah, but I mean, she was working things, even oh, just yeah. the, the small cons in the club. You know, they showed her kind of in the almost like a Las Vegas high roller nightclub situation. Mm-hmm. As one of the special hostesses who does the bottle service. Yep. And and my first thought was like, there's no fucking way anyone's going to know that this is not 90% water. Like, not even at the height of bootlegging (laughs) did you dilute product that much. But then it was more clever than that. It was, oh, I'm going to break the bottle. And then, oh, no, my boss is going to, oh. Right. 
Nice. Nice scan. And she's so cute. And the crocodile tears work almost every time with a man, right? Especially in that environment where... That's where the patriarchy cuts the other way. Right? We're conditioned to be exploited in that way. (laughs) So she she worked with what she had, and she made she said fifty thousand dollars in a year. That's a good chunk of change, right? Hey, if you're breaking tax, a three hundred dollar bottle every night, that's yeah, that's not bad. Tax that's free, not bad. Right? Yeah. That's like you know, it's easier easier than stripping on the side. That's for sure. Right. So, what did you think of the whole um, exploit a high roller at the uh, exotic car so show? I have a lot of social anxiety. And okay. like sometimes watching people in awkward situations is almost physically oh, uncomfortable. Like kind of yeah. like it feels like someone's holding my feet down and tickling them. Oh no! Because it's like, well, I got to keep watching because this is my job. And but like it's it, watching her put herself into that situation where she's in the car and the salesman knows that she's his wife, and like yeah. it was so awkward and so uncomfortable. And then when she's vomiting and like, oh, what is? How is she going to recover? Is she going to? And then she started taking off running. And I'm like, well, she's just going to run away. But then she steals the car, and it's like instantly kind of cheering for her. <laughs> because I mean, that was a pretty amazing bit of improvisation. Um, feels like definitely an easy way to get arrested because I I imagine that Maser I think it's a Maserati dealership. Um, I that that I imagine they have cameras. You know, at least at their entrances, so they're going to have yeah, a good look must, at her face. And they must have cameras, and they must have LoJack on all the vehicles that are taken out for test drives because they want to prevent this kind of thing from probably, happening. Probably, right? probably. There's got to be a way to track those vehicles that haven't been sold yet. But I feel like that, I don't need. I mean, if they if they show the scene where she gets cuffs put on her, that's fine. But I don't feel like I need to because yeah. this I can definitely see the trajectory and how it's going to lead her to Litchfield Minimum Security Prison. Yeah, I really liked when she was um, she was meeting the the guy who took her on the con for the first time, and he asked her name, and she's like, Jessica. Yeah, it's like it's Jessica. like Jessica, but ethnic. I died <laughs> laughing. I thought that was so funny. And also, I loved how they mirrored the complication, and they did this a lot with like um, Rose's plot last year, where she was. They were always doing the bank robbery. Well, I guess the season two bank robbery versus her real life scam. She's trying to run with this, you know kid with cancer Mm -hmm. but they showed like you know her stealing the car and the guy getting in the salesman getting in as a complication and it mirrored exactly how the female guard who is immune to her charms presumably um Uh i mean she could be lesbian we we, i don't know don't know if she finds um i I don't know if she finds her attractive but like that was like those beats were just and this show does that so well to blend the backstories with the current stories Mm-hmm. And I when it really when it works it 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 really works and I thought that was uh, excellent. Yeah, and Maritza's winged eyeliner. You know, her eyes got big when the so the female guard who got in. She was like, "Oh, how am I going to do this one?" Yep. And the thing what? is, here's another thing. Like, I feel like this here, like I don't know. I mean, she, she did cover recover really well with the fact that the guys. Oh, he's a gardener, which they're using these guards, um, in kind of implicit racism against them. Um, but on the other hand, is he going to start pulling their weeds? Because if not, <laughs> this is going to be a short term scam, right? Yeah, she well, she thought quick on her feet. Though. She is very quick Man. on her feet. I was like, you go, Maritza, because I would have been like, um, uh, uh. But then the other thing She's is, Lady Bond, I- panties galore. <laughs> <laughs> Panty Galoa. Uh-huh. Um, but how could he get um how could he get so close to the guards 
shacks. I'm not clear on sort of the geography of yeah, where the guards live. Is it outside of the prison walls? Well, and- the way Caputo described it, it was on campus, and yet we know that um, I can't. It's got to be outside the walls because Suzanne and uh, Maureen yes. got to the cabins outside the walls. You're right. It was minimum. It's minimum security, so it's right outside the walls somewhere. Yeah. So I guess okay. a person You're could right. just. You know, there's probably signs and all kinds of stuff saying you shouldn't have come here, but I'm sure mm-hmm. a person could probably go and approach that. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. This well, whole this whole panty lies, and it seems like it's now like they're just going to get into hard moving hardcore drugs, and um, the show's the, the descent into Oz continues uh, unabated. Hmm. Well, racial tension is growing and growing, right? Sure. It's getting more and more heated, and it's kind of spiraling out of control. Is it time to talk about? Well, I want to talk about the um, law, the resolution of Lolly, Alex, and Frida, who I thought like they're everyone wanting to kill Lolly was such a serious plot line, but something rightfully kind of handled with a light touch, where it's almost comedic, where everyone, no one really <laughs> wants to kill Lolly because it's like you know smashing a lollipop but on the other hand like as people slowly come to realization like we're gonna have to kill her it was kind of funny to me because i never yeah. thought it would really happen yeah because yeah. that i mean i was screaming at the, the 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 screen like from episode two like no one's going to believe her let her go to the co's and say that there's bodies in the garden it's funny because that's exactly what happened so well i think from the from voss and frida's point of view they didn't know that no one was going to believe her, right? They thought there was a big threat. And Frida was, I think she's in Litchfield for murder, if I, don't, if I remember correctly. So she, like, she I is, think she yes. She killed like four people or something. And then she's in Litchfield because she's considered too old to. Oh, that's right. That's like right. Like she's no longer a threat. So they moved her because she was one of the Golden Girls. Yes. They moved her into the minimum security. Yes. Even though, I, if I recall, she cut her husband's penis off with a dull knife i wasn't so sure if that was the been... other because we saw the other one of the golden girls who murdered her who tried to kill v and murdered the wrong one yeah. she was in did you notice that she, there's like a real glimpse of the um she is the wild-haired silver-haired lady yes. one of the golden girls and we saw her a brief glimpse in the max yes. security prison she had a cameo and she yes. kind of made eye contact with nikki and i thought ooh, yeah yeah mm-hmm. what's gonna happen there and we'll see if you see uh, her again because she looked ominous standing there looking at Nikki. No, but I like to re- the remembering that these these people still, you know, these women still have teeth. I mean, mm-hmm. they might have dentures, but they still got teeth. <laughs> <laughs> They're that dangerous. That's funny. They, they, they might kill you the oleander tea, which that's <laughs> that's interesting. I did not know that that's a, a lethal brew. But I didn't look that up. I, I'm assuming it is true, but yeah, uh, it I seems did. like that would be a slow way to to kill somebody because how strong would the tea have to be? You'd have to seep it for know. like 10 minutes or something. I don't know. It could be that thing like, you know, like ricin, surprisingly small yeah. amount of that will kill you. Fair enough. But oleander grows naturally. So it seems like animals would die. Well, right? Maybe they got to get, I don't know. I mean, right? or maybe you have to chemically change it by turning it into a tea and then it becomes poison. Mm. I don't know. We could, we could speculate for hours. Right, we need to call Walter White and he could tell us. <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, back to the storyline. I I think Lori Petty is acting her ass off, Re- and 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 doing it again with this light touch, where it's like she's doing the serious stuff, but like with the way she talks is just inherently entertaining. Yeah, she moves in and out of her psychotic episodes. Yes, um, you know she blink. It's almost like she blinks, and all of a sudden she's lucid and she's clear, and she's like, "Hey, what are we talking about?" And then she hears the voices again and goes back into her paranoia and. 
it's really well done. And a nifty piece of storytelling that deftly weaved this drone stuff, which I thought was going to be like some kind of cost saving measure oh, to keep track of so inmates, good. but it's actually yeah. celebrity photos. Which led to, you know, Lolly being, you know, feeding into her paranoid fantasies, but also launched the Tasty line where she's going to try to do pictures of Judy King and, and, and get, make money with everybody. Yeah, I knew that that drone was all about Judy King. But did I you? Did not, oh, yeah, completely. Huh. But we have drones all the time here that, you know, all the outdoor activities that I do, the drones will be out taking photographs of us. So I just knew it was just Holy going to be a photo. Shit. I guess that's something that's I've never seen that happen in the Midwest. Oh, all over LA, you'll you'll see them. Um, you know, people own them, and we'll just fly them around the neighborhood, or we'll be out at the beach paddling outriggers, and there will be drones taking photographs. Because how else are you going to get six miles off the ocean unless you're in a boat? Yeah. But I knew it was going to be a photograph of prisoners, probably Judy King. But okay. I did not predict what was going to happen sure. with uh, Black Cindy, which I think is really hilarious. Oh, the whole <laughs> mid, uh, the the final. I think that happened in episode six. Where Tasty is kind of playing the Jimmy Carter, yes. Bill Clinton, brokering Mideast piece. <laughs> <laughs> and they're talking about the, the Diet Coke soda bomb versus the, you know, misappropriation <laughs> of the land. And oh, my God, it's yeah, it's super funny, but also super real, too. It is. It is. But I love that they are. They've got these two really sort of alpha females mm-hmm. juxtaposed, and they're literally facing each other, right? Their bunks are both in the same little pod. Mm-hmm. They have to deal with each other on a daily basis, and Black Cindy likes to be sort of the big voice. Sure. But Allison walks in and says, oh, no, you, did, you didn't earn that from me. And then they just keep going back and forth and back and forth, butting heads, and I love it. And I f- because it's so real. I also like how they bonded over discussing <laughs> an even crazier religion. Like, and I'm not saying that, like, you know, Jews or Muslims have a crazy religion. But as an atheist, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, right. it's all it, it, it's all kooky to me. But I like the fact that they bonded. And I that feels because I used to be a Jehovah's Witness, which is right up there at the kookiest of the religions. <laughs> but even we laugh at the Scientologists. So it's like, you know, they found common cause over going clear and like they could talk about that. And I I, I like that. Like, yeah, that was th- good. Thank God for Scientologists. They're probably going to be the key to religious peace because everyone yeah. can agree that they're they're nutters. <laughs> they are nutters. I was surprised that Black Cindy was holding on to her Jewish religion so tightly. Well, Did that surprise you? Because I, I wasn't clear that that was really a part of who she became. But I suppose she did go all the way through. I thought, and I thought that last yeah. moment, I remember that was very genuine and earned. Yeah. Where she did, I feel like that whole struggling with God concept. She gave that yeah. big speech that kind of won the rabbi over, and I'm like, well, this is legit. And some of that has still like affecting her life, and I like how she said when the the Muslim I can't what is the Muslim prisoner's name? Allison. Allison. Allison when, Abdallah, when, I think when, is her last name. When she said, "You you do realize you've lost," and Black Cindy <laughs> is like, "You know, I'm at so much at peace or whatever right. that it doesn't that that doesn't even winning losing doesn't even mean anything." She's I'm like, so, "I know I'm the chosen person. I'm okay. Yeah, you can't do anything. Yeah." But but it's Just, funny because the Allison was kind of schooling her on her own religion. Like you're yes. really taking a very narrow look at all this. And I I don't know whether. Like I said, I feel like it was sincere when she when she did the studying stuff, but it doesn't seem like. Uh, well, that's the thing. Like, you know, religion can only do so much. Uh, right. You know, the, you you do tend to take a lot of your own personality, and you know, you can see that like kind, and caring people 
uh, and they're open-minded, can embrace religion and do wonderful things, and mean-spirited, closed-minded, xenophobic people can get a hold of religion and read into it what they want it to say. Um, mm-hmm, you true. know, God seems like he's more of a mirror held up to yourself than than it's some kind of external force molding you into his image. But again, that's me. That's yeah, my opinion. I, mean, I think my thing about religion is that the core of religion is about service and being good to others and being a good person. However, the most divisive time is when people go to the house of worship, right? Because people are only inviting you in if you believe exactly the way they believe. True. And so, I, I mean, I, I love the idea of people being, you know, having a moral high ground and being kind to others and, and serving others and, and taking care of people as well as taking care of this planet. But mm-hmm. if someone says to me, you're not welcome here because you don't believe the same way I believe, I think mm-hmm. that's complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I was raised Catholic, you know, sure. so. But you have to, I mean, I don't know, because that's, I, I don't mind discussing religion with people but what i find is that i have to swallow a hell of a lot more shit in a conversation to just make it be friendly and light and get along Uh. than like if i if i met like force with force and said some of the you know if someone comes up and says well just you know all you got to do is accept jesus into your heart if i'd been like well all you got to do is stop believing in your imaginary friend that would be seen as an attack, and yet them insisting that I have to believe as them to get some kind of peace or meaning in my life is seen as just a neutral statement of concern and mm. well-being. But I'm used to it, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys, you J-dubs, recovering yeah. J-dubs. I know. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? Uh, we still haven't talked about the main Piper panty, how she's holding. I mean, this is this is classic Walter White. She's getting into a territory scuffle, and, and it's not something she needs. It's just something that she's glommed onto for her life's purpose, yeah. and it seems like it's going to get people hurt. It already has gotten people hurt. It's gotten Maria, as she as she tearfully confesses to her friends, like, I cannot believe I got five extra years. Oh, my God. For panties. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like, I started with Piscatel. It's like, okay. You're right. She's a criminal. She's in jail. She did something. She broke the law. But no one got hurt. And Yeah. But he was afraid of this whole idea of gangs forming. So he's trying to make an example of Maria. And I mean, it was completely excessive. Nobody, not even Piper, expected the punishment to be that difficult. Well, but but, I mean, that's the funny thing. It's going to cause. Yeah, but it's like, and it's given, it's, it's, his actions have given rise to a no shit prison gang. And I think that's interesting because there's discussion about the broken window theory and different theories of policing and like um, punishment versus reformation. And like, I thought that, like, we're going to talk here a good long minute about the Caputo convention deal. (laughs) <laughs> but I thought it was interesting how he 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 meant for someone like, hey, go tell go tell your sisters that, you know, what what the punishment for crime is and what or, or you know, what what the price of making poor life choices is. And you, like, did he really expect her to go back and like be contrite or did she's like, well, fuck this. If we're going to get this for prison for prison panties, let's go on the cocaine and heroin and, and yeah. everything else. Like he just completely underestimated her. Yeah. And underestimated her anger, her ire and in some ways her power in that group, because Maria was sort of the reluctant leader. Sure. 
of the Latina group, right? She's got the natural leadership, but she did not want, I mean, she didn't, I mean, her backstory is all that she didn't want to be too um, boastful of her, her race and her heritage because her dad used it to the extreme and she thought it was a negative thing, right? It didn't make sense to her. Yeah. Um, now here she is also thrust into this position of power and then she gets more time for doing the same thing that this white girl was doing. Uh-huh. Oh, hell no. Right. She's like, I'm about to, we're we're going to elevate and we're going to make something really happen. Uh, we could also talk about Alita and how she's getting early yeah. release and she's going to be free to warp Daya's child and how frustrating it is to see them locked in this codependent bullshit relationship they got going on, but she's trying to get, I guess, her GED. And I feel like that this, again, I haven't looked forward, but this is going to all, there's going to be a nexus of Caputo's not GED enrichment courses with Alita (laughs) wanting to make something of herself. And the fact that this prison is becoming a powder keg anyway, man, I don't know. I honestly don't know where this season's going, but I it, it, it seems like it's setting up to be darker and more explosive than anything we've we've had before. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be very dark. And a latest storyline. So did you at all Cause, think cause, of her in Fear of the Walking Dead while you were watching this? No. Oh. No, I didn't. Huh. I, because I just I, thought... The, go ahead, I'm sorry. She blocked out that show completely. Kind of, yeah. Like, I, I just thought... I was impressed with her acting because I just she was so different from that character. Sure. And Aleda is she was likable. Um, and that was like I really hate her character Orange and New Black, so that was an uphill battle. But like yeah, I took a look at that and I instantly chose her side over what's his fuck's name? Um the father. The ex. I know. Cliff Cliff. I, I is that his name? Clifford? I think that was his uh his real name. I don't remember his ah, right, character right. name. Which the other thing is, man, because uh, me and Jim watched We Were War- or Once Were Warriors, oh, that New oh, Zealand. Oh, that's right. You guys covered that, huh? Ooh. He plays the biggest fucking shit Such heel. Shit. Like, yeah. I don't know I, that I could have even gotten through it if I had taken that baggage into the first season of yeah. Fear of the Walking Dead. Because, God, he plays the worst. That the worst movie character. Is so. Oh, my God. It hurts me in my stomach, but it's so powerful. Yeah, if you want to see a really good New Zealand film. Uh, I, I think if you like Orange New Black, you'd probably like it. You should check out Once for Warriors. It's very hard to find. Very hard to find. Oh, because, is it really? Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, like I couldn't find it streaming anywhere, and like even oh. DVD copies were pretty expensive. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, um, I, I own that movie because I think it's so well done. Well, and, and they're brown people in it, so and yeah, sure, and lots of it's, would you did you the Maori would you consider them Pacific Islanders? Yeah, they're Polynesian for sure. Okay, absolutely. cool. All right, I wasn't sure exactly where. The line between like Asian and I mean, I guess that there's still would the is that all considered Asian as well? Like, uh, so you can say Asian Pacific Islander. Okay. And the the Polynesian people got to New Zealand, you know, via a canoe. So that's uh-huh. how they wound up there. But you know, the core of all of them came from Tahiti originally. We could right. talk about that for hours. Too. And the line between that and like Native American, I mean, that's all kind of like a con- more of a continuum. It's kind of like trying to draw the line between. I don't know what uh, it, it like like Afghanistan's and Eastern Europeans and oh. Western Europeans and Greece. It's like it's like there's a whole lot of like blending in in, in that. It, it's it, they're not like clear cut cl- clear cut lines. Yeah, they well, wouldn't be able to also, survive in prison and identifying with a prison uh, prison gang, right? And also, race is a purely artificial construct that has That's no true. biological meaning, and et cetera, et cetera. But um, anyway, I forget where I got before I got all hyped up about once were warriors. <laughs> oh. Sorry. 
Yeah, Alita. Oh, we we're talking about Fear the Walking Dead. We brought and it I back around. Dead, and then we moved into that. Anyhow, but yes, everyone should watch Once We're Warriors. It's an incredibly powerful film. That, can you tell me? Because one thing I just got into my notes: uh, Filipino style cornbread. Oh my god, that made me so mad. Uh oh, is it? Because I was like, it sound. I wanted to know more. I love okay. cornbread, and so, it seemed like yeah. it was like cornbread zilla. So I have a in my note. It says quote-unquote Filipino-style cornbread, ugh. So just because you put coconut in something does not make it Filipino. <laughs> it's the same thing when you put pineapple in a pizza that does not goddamn make it Hawaiian. <laughs> so All right. Filipinos have lots of desserts, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. We have lots of desserts that have coconut milk or, or shredded coconut. And we have um, a baked sort of cornbread-esque dessert called bibinka, mm-hmm. which is maybe what she was trying to make, but that's not, she did not have the ingredients to make it. So she called it Filipino style, and I think she did because she had coconut milk, and that is not true. So listeners, that is not Filipino style cornbread. What would you call, what would a Hawaiian pizza be, if not pineapple? Well, <sighs> Hawaiians eat all kinds of pizza. I mean, here, we have a place called Aloha Pizza, not far from my house. Mm-hmm. They make pizza with things like Portuguese sausage or Kahlua pig. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a Hawaiian-style pizza. Hmm. But I think, generally speaking, in the U.S., they put pineapple on it. If it's, got, guess, if it's got barbecue sauce, pineapple, bacon. Is it, is it's, barbe- it's, I can't stand cooked pineapple, so I won't eat it. But mm. it's barbecue sauce, not, not regular um, marinara sauce mm. or tomato sauce. That's what a Hawaiian pizza is, barbecue okay. sauce and Canadian bacon. Yeah, th- don't do that. That's wrong. I what, what should I call it? Because I, that is my favorite type of pizza. Call it fake Hawaiian pizza. Fake, fakey Hawaiian? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> it's like uh, one of those um, the of fake authentic luau's that the hotels throw. <laughs> That's right. Well, they're all quote unquote authentic. Anyhow, sure. Sure. When they have Tahitian dancing and they call it hula. Anyhow. Sure. Sure. Uh, so, yes. Um, I was mad when I saw the Filipino style what? cornbread, but I was happy that they mentioned Filipinos because, you know, we don't get mentioned too much out there. Sure. In the general media. Sure. And I, we have a Hawaiian character, P.S. That's true. You do. Yeah. The the uh, enforcer. I, I don't know her name because I'm calling her Piper's Heavy. What? Hapakuka is her last name. I don't know what her first name is. How did you must have gotten that from Wikipedia because there's no way. Someone said that on the show or did they? Um, I think they said it once, but I did look it up because I'm like, what did they name her? Um, Because did they name her Pineapple? Uh Uh, Because, you know, I wonder in this writer's room, do they have Asians in the writer's room and they're trying to write about a Hawaiian character? Mm. And the only way that it comes out that she's Hawaiian is she mentions poi. Well, she also has like some kind of tribal tattoos going up her arms and on her fingers. I haven't noticed that. How funny. Uh, I forget what they call that, but like the... um... You know, like the, the the Maori have them too, but it's uh-huh. it's kind of like that style, but obviously not on her face. But she had them on her hands and running up her arms. Yeah, I didn't notice her tattoos. I'll have to take another peek at that. But I mean, you know, tattoos, schmattoos, right? People, right. we have people walking around with Chinese characters that say "fuck you" or you know, sure. like, just because they don't know any better. So. Indeed, indeed. It, but anyhow, yeah, we have Hapakuka, who is the who is, as you say, Piper's heavy. Uh-huh. Um, and I just thought to myself, why did they choose? I mean, that was a deliberate choice that the writers made. Like, is there an Asian person in the writer's room? Is there just they wanted some other ethnicities represented other than Latinos, African-Americans? And it does um, seem like they're writers. trying to like Pokemon catch them all. Right. I mean, like, I, I don't know why, but there's we only have two Asian characters that we hear from. Right. We still have Chang who had like 
three lines sure. so far. And she was all and about have, the, you know, screw the lake. It's the, I want to do the deep conditioner and have yeah, all the hot water myself. Fuck about anybody, you know, she's well, she knows how to live it up in prison. Right. She's like, the, all the girls are going to swim in the sewage. I'm going to go take a long, long, hot shower. And deep condition my mm-hmm, hair, like mm-hmm. her two inch hair. She's adorable. <laughs> so funny. She don't care how it looks. She's like rubbing her head, like when it's silky and smooth. That's it's all you know, all about her. Her experience. That's right. That's right. You go, Chang. Handle your business. And then we have uh, Soso, who's still here, the other Asian, so, half yeah, Asian, I suppose, who I keep vacillating between liking her and not liking her, and liking her and not liking her. I think I'm settling on liking her finally, okay. um, because okay. she's starting to become self-aware. She's realizing how fucking annoying she is, and how <laughs> how kind of um, you know that's also because um, like she has a lot of. Um, you know, white PC liberal tendencies, which is another way to say that she's sometimes double secret racist. Like double as we saw with, with, yeah. with Pusey, where she's trying to be understanding of the oh, plight of the African-Americans. Oh, and she just assumes all these things that are wildly untrue about her background. Right. right. Um, it's just, I, I don't know. It's that, that but kind did of she assume that, or was she just trying to convince Judy King to give Pusey a chance? Cause I vacillated in my mind about that. I, I but, think, and then I and then I thought, well, maybe she just doesn't know Pusey because Pusey is like highly educated and yes. very cultured and well traveled. And I like Pusey more this season than last season because last season she was just, you know, she's going through her depression and her alcoholism, and and now we're seeing her a little lighter so far. I don't know what's going to happen with her character, right. but right. No, I, I thought that was, she was just making assumptions about you know. Yeah, um, and and that's the thing like that's where that's that's the whole problem with any kind of ism is that when you start to take uh cuz it's very true that you can you know look at people culturally and and geographically and draw broad conclusions about right their diet and how they dress and what they but yeah. you can't then look at a person and say because you belong to this group that means that you're going to do this that and why so yeah you know what i just did what i used my asian lens to give Brooke Soso the benefit of doubt. <laughs> I really did. I just realized that you're absolutely right that we all have our own bias, right? Mm. That's just part of being human. And so I'm always trying to think of Brooke Soso as being a good character. Sure. Because she's, you know, the only, mm. even though she's only half. But, mm. um, you know, the, the two Asians on there, I'm always rooting for them. I sure. want them to get more screen time. I think that's 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 only natural. But on the other hand, yeah. like, I feel like that's also a valid point in the show that I've Aren't Asians way underrepresented in the prison system? I think you're right. Like if you just draw like – just like a lot of minorities are way overrepresented sure. and you can draw. Sure. But I feel like the Asians are I, – I think I read that once that like uh, they're already a much smaller minority percentage of the population anyway. But then even accounting for that, they're a much smaller repre- yeah. re- represented in well- – yeah, I think overall the the Asian population may be the smallest ethnic minority group in this country, but they're also the fastest growing, even more so than Hispanics. Ah. So something has happened between immigration from from different countries. Uh-huh. So that's one of the things that's adding to that population boom, right. as well as um, more births. Right. So the the Hispanic population went through a huge boom in sort of uh-huh. like the late nineties, early early aughts. And now they're seeing from the census patterns that the Asian groups are growing here, but it really is very closely related to immigration. Yeah. And Asia is a large continent, a part of this whole world. So right. 
you know, we group a lot of different ethnic groups under Asian. So anyhow. So, so I want to say this, 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 this opens the one thing I want to particularly talk to you is the scene where Soso tries to not so much tutor Alita in math as kind of oh. condescendingly talk down. I mean, she was her heart, heart was in the right place. Uh, but she even mentions like um, I forget <laughs> who said it, but someone like assumed she's good at math or she said something about it being a stereotype. Or, oh, although no, I in took this case, piece, in, right? or, but... although in this case, accurate. Um, yeah. <laughs> as as an Asian that practices martial arts, yeah, do you know. sometimes? Do you, are you, what's that like when it's like fuck? I guess I'm leaning into the stereotype. Yeah, you know, I think it's part of that whole model minority myth, right? Mm-hmm. There are stereotypes about all groups, and generally speaking, Asians are the good people of color, right? And then be- I want to preface it by saying, from like, um, and I think getting to know you has helped me kind of understand this, but. I always assume, like, what do Asians have to complain about when it comes to racism <laughs> because their reputation is, like, I, I guess if your worst negative is you take lots of pictures, but everyone says you value education and you're respectful and you, oh, boy, you know, like... You really I'll, want to get into this with me right now? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying yeah. that it's... Um, what is because you said the model minority? Yes, I think that's yes. a lot of people that even people that consider themselves kind of educated and well read about issues with race as a head scratcher. So sure, oh sure, do okay. you want to talk about it? I'd... So yeah, um, so one of the things about being Asian in this country is that um, there are a lot of generalizations that that Asian Americans are. Um, very dedicated to education because a lot of immigrants came over here from various Asian countries with educations, right? So they're, you know, PhDs or they came here to complete their education and many of them wound up staying here. And so because they are advanced degrees or PhDs, their children continue to perpetuate that and go to college and have good jobs. That's the pattern of immigration that's a little bit different from some other. So it's almost like a self-selecting... To, to a certain extent, yes. But I think, you know, I mentioned that the population boom is starting to happen in the Asian Pacific Islander numbers. And now the newer immigrants are not coming over as educated. So what's happening is there's this longstanding myth that all Asians are smart and, and good with money and um, good at math and stay out of prison. When in fact, if you break it down by the different ethnic minority groups there's a lot of disparity and there's a lot of poverty and, and it's a, it's doing a disservice to Asians in this country. And it kind of, so, I imagine if you're one of those Asians that doesn't fit the stereotype, it's like double plus ungood because, you know, it's like, um, uh, that's the thing. Cause uh, I mean, huh, it's really weird being the, the default, the de facto majority as a white. Like, I, it's very hard for me to even relate that concept of what yeah. it's like to be a, you know, like, like if you're, if, if you as a people are known for something and you do, and, and something positive and you yourself are not, does that, that makes you feel like it's, if I suck at math, I suck at math. Right. But I feel like but if some Asian kid sucks yeah. at math, then it's like, Jesus Christ, why do I suck at math? It's like the, you know, if I'm going to get really racist, it's the black kid that can't play basketball. It's the, 
you know, uh, Mexican who doesn't like I, see. I've, this is all offensive and racist. But I, well, you're you're a very woke white man, <laughs> so you are not intentionally trying to be racist. You are trying to. I'm trying to struggle tr- with this. I'm right? trying you're to Im- try to figure out how to empathize or sympathize with that feeling that I on. I mean, I've definitely felt what it's like to be the other. Okay. Yes. Because growing up in a growing up in a yeah. cult, I know right. like what it's right. like for people to be like, oh, so where? Oh, you're you're in church? What church? Oh, oh, oh. You know that kind of like you know even among polite people. But I don't know. Like, there's not really positive stereotypes about Jehovah's Witnesses that I would yeah. feel bad for not living up to. So I'm trying I to think, think like what that's like. Yeah, but I think that's your that's why you are aware that stereotypes exist and that people get categorized and, and overgeneralized into any kind of grouping. You happen to have lots of privilege just by birth. It's not your well, fault. Well, even even my being the other was something I could effectively cloak anytime right. I wanted to by Absolutely. just not telling people, hey, these are my deeply held religious beliefs. I could pass for normal anytime I wanted to, <laughs> which is essentially a superpower. Like, yeah, absolutely. So like, well, I'm not even like, good. there's even limits to how much I can understand that. Right, right. And I, I appreciate that you asked the questions because it is, it's hard sometimes for someone who's in a one down group, right? I'm a woman and I'm a woman of color. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had times where I've been in meetings where I'm the only woman and the only woman of color with a bunch of white dudes and I, you know, speak out and make a couple of points and someone will come up to me after the meeting and say, and this is a real story. Wow. I really like that point you made. Mm-hmm. That's a compliment, right? Mm-hmm. Followed up with, you're not like my Asian wife. You really speak your mind. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's reality. That's the kind of thing I experience. And that's in corporate America. So just uh-huh. think about with people who are less educated. Right. And more likely to feel like stereotypes are what you cling to because you don't know, you don't have any worldly experience or, you know, book knowledge, for lack of a better term. That's just what we deal with as people who are in any kind of one down situation. I sometimes like think that the show sometimes gets into that where it's like the conversation amongst the women in prison is somehow more authentic and honest than it is amongst like liberal types because they just, whatever they think they say. No filter. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like, I I remember Lorna asking um, pretty offensive questions to Sophia trying to understand and like, you know, Sophia's taking offense and Lorna's like, I'm just, I just don't, I I don't know about all this. I just ask questions. And, I mean, that's the thing, like, uh, that's something I was trying to impress upon a friend of mine who was, like, doing that thing. It's like, you don't – the problem with that is you got to re- – if, if you're going to ask those type of questions, you should really know some really well. Like, you don't want to find, yes. like, oh, this is an Asian person I work with. I'm going to pester him with all the questions I have about <laughs> Asians because that's a singular and refreshing and unique experience to you. This person's gone through this a hundred or a thousand times. So every day. Every yeah. Day. Like if they you build them, if they you call them little nibbles, you know, it's not like right. Microaggressions. If you want microaggressions, to get microaggressions yeah, or yeah, the, definitely the, the super pussy way to say it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the value, quite frankly, of bald move, having a woman of color in this conversation, because yes. this show you, it would be a disservice to orange is the new black. If you didn't have a person of color, talking about it right i've always thought it'd be a very strong lgbt ally and if you guys listened to last season i was so excited that i did big booze show on the day that marriage equality was announced i mean you've Uh got to have that voice and that perspective with a show like this because it's so rich yeah uh yeah did i tell you anything about asians that you hadn't learned i mean 
No, no. I, I just like I because I most of that stuff was I already had. You know, I've, 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 like I said, you know, getting to know you and like following you, what, you, what you, will you talk about in your diversity training on Facebook? Like I've passively through osmosis absorbed a lot of that stuff that I'd, I'd, I'd had questions about, or like you know the whole like I don't get it why having a positive, like why is a positive stereotype harmful? Mm, yeah, and sure, that's sure, sure. that's the thing. Like I, and I feel like that seems to be. Um, that seems to be something that a lot of people, because you know, I think more. It's it's very hard to find people that are just like gauchely racist nowadays. Although you know, I mm. guess if you've been following mm. the elections, it's like maybe some of the stuff has been in the dark corners and it's now coming out in the light. But it's harder and harder to find people that are just like really fucking ignorant. But what you do now is you find the people that are still ignorant and they don't know why it's wrong. Like you know, it's one of those one of those things where if you live along enough, if you live along enough life. Uh, no matter how liberal and open-minded you are, you're going to come across something that's going to challenge your tolerance. Right. Like, you know, uh, where, and, and there's, there's two ways you can, you can, you can throw up your hands. Like, I don't understand this, but you know what? I support people's right to individuality and dignity and whatever. Or you can be like, fuck this shit. I, and, and become one of those people who get, you know, start to get calcified and set in their ways. And I don't know, trying to always roll with the punches, I guess. Well, there's always something to learn about. Yeah, and I feel like that's a real thing too. Like you know, the the being the majority like is sometimes exhausting um, to realize that like oh, it seems like the rules are always changing, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, you just try to keep in mind that like, well, you are the majority, and if it's exhausting to you, imagine what it's like to be the people who have been dealing with these soft or hard racism and bigotry, and just now it's just now coming to like if you're a transgender person, like. Were you even anything but a fetish or a joke until a decade ago in popular culture? Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's not like some people are coming and changing rules. It's just now like we're starting to build up this equality and tolerance to where yeah. we're starting. We're just sifting through the pile. And it's like, oh, man, we've really shit on black people for a long. Like, let's try to fix that. And like, oh, we're shifting through the pile. Oh, shit. Look, look what we've been doing to gay people this whole time. Oh, we're getting down. Oh, they, there's there's transgender. Like, what else is yeah. there still in the barrel that we as a culture and as a as a as a globe? have yet to uh, you know address like gender yeah. and all that stuff and it's like it's it's i imagine one day we'll get to the bottom i mean that's yeah. my that's the hope right i yeah i don't know i mean i think that transgender issue didn't really get a lot of coverage until bruce jenner transitioned and became well, caitlin right so then there's this whole thing where it happened to be a, a white dude that trans transitioned sure. and that then, really elevated that conversation whereas we've had transgender folks doing political activism for years and years sure. and years, but they were all people of color. Yeah. Yeah. And did also like, you know, the, the white mainstream acceptance, it seemed like it boiled down to a lot of cases like, Oh, you go girl. You're so hot, blah, blah, mm. which is something. It's something. Sure. Sure. I mean, raising awareness is the first step yes. to creating understanding. So for yeah. shows like, you know, modern family who have a gay couple on them sure. or, you know, even Will and Grace back in the day, you know, the older shows that had the gay stereotype, but still it's kind of like Gandhi show. said is like, first they laugh at you, then they fight you and then you win. Like, it seems like that you, there's always like, you got, you got first there's non-representation, then there's tokenism, then there's really broad, like almost offensive attempts at integrating these characters and then finally you get integration it's Mm -hmm. like it's there's when you don't even think about it like culturally we have mass and weight and it's like a big ship at sea and it's like they don't turn on a dime it takes constant pressure 
to to move these things and and move people's viewpoints and shift the Overton windows around. Sure. Let's just solve all the world's problems on today's <laughs> well, podcast. Well, Orange is the New Black is trying. <laughs> it's it's is trying. Like it's definitely so raising awareness all. of a lot of issues. This season is is just can, rich with topics to discuss. Can we know? talk about how funny it is that Piper started a white power group in oh prison? Oh my god. <laughs> it's funny, but I have a feeling it's not going to be funny for a long. Well, it's already like it. It was funny, like in a chuckle way, when you walk in and she's talking about this neighborhood watch, and you notice that everyone there is white, right? And then they show the one girl with the southern flag tattoo, and now they've yeah. got ones that are ultimate. They're 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 openly right? taught. And it's so funny because this is something you know we're talking about the like the dark underbelly of racism in the country. Like, there's a lot of things like neo Nazis and stuff have quietly come back. Yes, like. When I Googled for information about this um, Tomorrow Belongs to Me, which is a uh, an old German folk song that was th- – this version is from the, the, the play or the movie Cabaret where uh, a German nationalist is, is sings it at some point in, in, in the play. Um, when I Googled – clo- closing song of episode five, right? Yeah. And when yeah, I Googled yep. for it, number three result were legit neo-Nazis on Stormfront – Oh, that's terrifying. Discussing about it and how, like, in this this Jewish liberal propaganda piece cabaret, there's still the beautiful flower of national socialism growing. And I'm like, you know, but that number three result on Google, if you search for Tomorrow Belongs to Me, is is neo-Nazi discussing how powerful and moving it is to them on their Stormfront site. So that is something that is that is truly something. Yep, that's that's our reality. I mean, but that, that was a beautiful closing shot of that. Yes. Piece, right? I mean, it was sort of Piper's face and the realization that what the fuck have I done? But she doubles. And then they pulled out to, and the rebel flag on the back of that woman's neck. And then yep. the song playing, like, I knew yep. it was related to Nazi. I didn't know how, but yep. I just knew. Um, so. And that's the other thing. Like, you know, I because I have relatives that live in southern Indiana, and it is not an uncommon refrain to hear at a family reunion something along the lines of, you always hear about Latin pride and black. I mean, just a direct quote uh, from this episode. What's wrong uh, with having white pride? And it's like, that's a very hard statement to unpack. Because there isn't really anything intrinsically wrong with being proud of one's heritage. And like, I know nope. a lot about my, you know, one of my family members has traced my family like several generations back to Germany. And sure. uh, they left before World War One, So like, I don't even have any of that. Like, oh, God, my grandfather's a, a fucking SS officer. But like you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. It's just when it's when it's when it's framed like this, like it's at the expense of others, is where it starts to become uncomfortable. And it's like one of those things that makes common sense. But if you really under, you know, if you really think about what your role is as the majority, um, and how kind of like you know the the, the ultimate. Uh, well, why we got a Black History Month? Why don't we have a White History Month, motherfucker? Mm-hmm. The other eleven months are White History Month. Yeah, you, and also you live in White History Month. Also, mostly Black History Month is White History Month too, because mm-hmm. sure, you know, sure. it's it's not like the world stops and we just honestly, it, it's 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 frustrating, but it's one of those things where if you don't give it a lot of thought, it seems like it's got credence. Yeah, it's what I think the way we try to position it when we talk about it in in the field that I do is that. Um, having cultural pride and having and knowing your own identity is really important, but it's not about taking away pieces of the pie. And so, you know, it's not about one group getting more power over the other. It's about baking a bigger pie. It's just about making everything bigger 
and leaving space for people, right? So trying to not compete for the same resources, um, which is really what it gets down to if you think about how racism really started. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it when you think about immigration patterns, and you know, in New York, all the the new immigrants were always the ones who got shunned. Sure. Um, so I just think it, it's tough, right? Because it comes down to I'm an individual and I want to take care of myself. Right. And so I'm going to identify with people around me. And this other group is a threat. Well, and that's the thing. That's what's really frustrating with immigration and racism is America is like, seriously, do you guys never even watch movies? Like, have you <laughs> never watched The Godfather? Have you never watched The Gangs of New York? Have it's like, you know, at, mm-hmm. at no time in history has an influx of new people coming right. in been met with anything but overt, open hostility. Uh-huh. Right. Fuck the Polacks. Fuck the Irish. Right. It's always fuck the, the Chinese, racial, fuck, fuck the, the Germans. Chinese. Like, yeah. that's the thing. Like, um, it's I have a lot of relatives that last name is not spelled the same as me because their family chose to anglicize their names during oh. World War One and two because sure. there's so much anti-German sure. uh, uh, prop. And it's like it is really i mean it's it's one of those things like you know if you're if it, and it, but every time it comes up it's like this is a unique new threat that has to be dealt with in some unique sweeping but it's like it's it's the same thing it's the story of an immigrant population slowly integrating into the country and making it greater than it was before mm-hmm. and like i i don't know it's and pursuing the american dream right that's what we're brainwashed to believe i mean i have a friend who works at toyota he's probably maybe i don't know 18 years older than me but he said when he moved to this country from the Philippines, he thought the roads were literally going to be paved with gold as a young boy. That's the kind of sure. brainwashing that they got because, mm-hmm. you know, the Americans had such a big presence in the Philippines after World War II. Mm-hmm. That's really what he thought. And that's that's not even a whole generation above me. That's that's basically our age range, you know? Yeah. No, it's a it's a crazy trip, this this life. <laughs> um, I mean, that's the thing, I guess, that... Um, I feel good about things mostly because I re I, I feel like that it's a truism that most people are good at heart. Um, because else, why would we see so much progress? If you look back a hundred years, 200 years, even 50 years, like there's been so much progress and that's because people are of goodwill. And if you can explain it and inform them properly, they usually make the correct decisions. So mm-hmm. I do feel like we're basically a good and noble species despite evidence to the contrary at times. Yeah. I mean, definitely we've made progress and that just means that, uh, we have more groups that should have more voice and there's more progress to be made. Yep. Um, shall we talk about the other big plot line, which is Caputo's junket through the (laughs) prison industrial complex, which I thought if you've seen the movie, um, the house I grew up in, which is a documentary about essentially a, a a white kid who grew up with a black housekeeper and um, he went to check up on this this family that he grew up with and found out how its life has been torn apart by um, the war on drugs, et cetera, et cetera. And it's also like co-produced by David Simon of The Wire fame. And it's just truly oh. excellent. But they, there's uh-huh. a 15-minute stretch in this documentary where they go with hidden cameras into – one of these trade shows for prisons and it is horrifying there's people like hundreds of people sitting around looking at because you've been you've been to conventions i've been to conventions and expos and it's like part of this is like man it really is like this stuff like when she said stuff like uh this isn't a shopping trip so much as a brainstorming session like man 
does that ring true? And like all the swag and just how kind of like immature and stupid it all is. But then you add the fact that this is about prisons and it's even there's this PowerPoint that the CCA was putting on crowing about how high recidivism is, which is repeat mm. offenders yes, yes, and how yes. this is like such a huge growth industry. Cause not only are we getting tougher on crime and tougher on drugs and all that stuff, but we don't do shit to reform these people. So they're right, right back in the doors and that's another right. 35,000 ahead we're getting. And it's like yeah. literally that what the, these human beings are a profit line. And I get it. Like I, I had someone write in a couple months ago, taking me to task for complaining about privatized prisons because like do you realize only 10 percent of the prisons in america are privatized and you're making it and i'm like at what point if that's true because i think that's like maybe broadly true of federal prisons but i don't think it's true of state and community prisons but if it is true at what point can i be concerned when 15 percent of them are private when 50 percent when 100 at what point do you like oh, i'm not sure we should be making money on What's what we're doing that's ostensibly to reform people? I don't know. This is a big bugaboo for me. What did you yeah. think of what did you think of this look into the dark heart of the the prison industrial complex? Well, I think the the fact that I had just walk I had just presented at a conference that day that I was watching this episode, um the part of me laughed because it really is about the the commercial side of whatever business it is. And, you know, they, what's her name? Linda was talking about, you know, the swag is the best part of one of the best things about this conference. Plastic handcuffs. Right. The plastic handcuffs, the, the little baton that they would hit each other with when they were in meetings, Mm -hmm. you know, so that was side of the light side of it. But then as you start looking at what these, the offerings were on the trade floor, it got kind of dark. Um, there was the the one thing that looked like a straight jacket that somebody was sitting in. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, terrifying to think about that you're putting a human being in those. Like, why do you need that kind of contraption for another human being? And then, um, you know, the prison slop display was actually ice cream that they were serving. So what kind of mixed messages are we sending to the folks who are there to learn about their industry? Mm-hmm. It really felt... Um, it felt much heavier than I think I realized. And, and I was coming into it literally walking off of a floor of making a panel presentation at a conference. And then I was watching this show. Uh, and then the la- the tasers or the laser that she sure. was shooting, that little goofy dude that was talking to her. Mm-hmm. Come on. What do you mean it just stings? Like that – well, that's and then inhumane. And, and then the, you could dial it up to third degree burns, and that's right. the thing. Like a lot of that stuff is lifted. I am convinced is lifted directly from the documentary, like those restraint systems, uh. and like they're almost like, you know, it, it's all very wink, wink, nod, nod, nudge, nudge about this stuff. Like you know, um, but that's Genji's thing, right? To, right, to she, get it in your face. The whole writers' room seems like it's a sponge that they just soak yeah. up stuff in the off season, and then like, oh, look at this thing. But I, I encourage everybody to check out the house I live in because if you think this was like parody or satire, it's pretty much straight up the way. And, and if anything, they didn't get into because the again, the most horrifying I thought was the the presentations about how profitable it is and how. You know, recidivism is such that mm-hmm. your profits are going to go up, and you know they're and, and they lobby for tougher laws on on drugs and and minor infractions. And I mean, we just had the Supreme Court case yesterday, where the they ruled that even if a police illegally find evidence, they can 
it's all made cool if they find out that you had a warrant after the fact. And that might mm-hmm. be like if you're if you don't know how to properly analyze this, a statistic that is interesting to is like Ferguson that you know had so much. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. Uproar and quite quite right indignation and fury last year. Um, there's 22,000 people that live in the city, and 18,000 people have warrants out on them. Oh my gosh! And you think, and, and I'm not talking like warrants for like murder. I'm talking about like unpaid. Yeah, the yeah. vast majority is unpaid parking tickets. Sure. So sure. like, I you know it's like you're essentially telling police that you can pull someone over and stop and frisk someone, and 90 percent of the time you're gonna have an absolute shield to any kind of police misconduct. Um. Yeah, it's it's tough on both ends. Like, it's not easy to do law enforcement, but it sure as hell ain't easy to suffer under bad law enforcement either. And no, this this no. stuff we're doing with, um, you know, privatized prisons. I forget who was it the last year said it was the journalist. They were trying to get someone involved in the story. And he's like, look, I think, you know, what we're doing with our, our prison culture is the worst blight on this country next to slavery. Mm-hmm. And I think that, but yet, because it doesn't, you know, until you get caught up in the system and you kind of ground up, you don't get feel the outrage. So it seems like it's going to be one of those things that's going to be really slow for people to get awareness and and come to fix. Yeah. And and this show is raising awareness, right? Because how would we have had this conversation about this documentary that you saw or... You know, the the clever names for the workshops and the breakouts. I I wrote a couple Mm -hmm. of them down because I just thought... They, you know, they want to get people in the room, so they had one called "Taking Max to the Max." Yes. So, yeah, come on, let's think about what we're really talking about. We're talking about maximum security, or we're talking about um, it, this whole concept of putting people in the shoe and how you how you leverage that yeah. for what for profit. Yeah. Or the other one that I wrote down was "Shanks for the Memories: sure. the History of Prison Weapons." Sure. And I had to write that one down because my sister used to work with Bob Hope, and so that was sort of a big uh. tagline for him. I got to say so that I think I, I, I forget what prison there, there's a place that has like there's a museum for improvised prison weapons because I know oh it was on a, it was on a Mythbusters episode. They were testing <sighs> some kind of myth about Alcatraz, uh-huh. but it is pretty impressive. Some of the stuff people come up with on the inside. Crazy. So right? I would totally if I was going to go to a breakout, I would go to that one. Shanks for the memories <laughs> yeah. to see what they did with their toothbrush to turn oh, it yeah. into a shank or oh, yeah, like or stuff. even like that razor blade thing that one of the characters had. I think maybe it was uh, Ouija. Yeah, or no, Ouija. Or was it the one with the short hair? So I forgot. I'm for, I, there are so many new characters. Sure. I cannot keep their name straight. Sure. But, um, um, but I also like that we got to see Mike Brabiglia again. I was so again. happy to see him. I, I w- didn't expect to see and him. And yet disappointed that DannyTalksTruth.com does not exist. Oh, you looked it up? Yeah, because every time someone gives a URL out on a show, the first, yeah. I mean, like, I'm literally on my phone a second <laughs> later trying to find out if there's a website. Because, you know, there was a lot of cool stuff in that with Breaking Bad, and I guess it's conditioned yes. me to think <laughs> if, you, if you throw out a website, there's going to be some kind of cool behind-the-scenes fan-friendly thing for you to dig into. But yeah. missed opportunity. It's it would have been great for Berbiglia to create something that would be really funny. Seven bucks a month, or seven bucks a year to register domain Genji, come on yeah come get on Genji, get with it <laughs> um i think i don't is there anything that we have overlooked like that's the 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 perils of doing these three episodes at a time is sometimes this the small stuff gets and a lot of the humor kind of gets uh put to the side but yeah did we uh, have we missed anything We've gone really, you know, we've kind of touched on everybody but there was there was a lot going on in all of these episodes i'll i'll say that i'm sort of 
I'm over um, the celebrity storyline. That's not working for me very really? much. Why? Yeah. So why? Because I found that I want more red. Mm, I feel um, like she's replaced the red storylines. Okay. Um, that's fair. I thought that I mean, I'm six episodes in. I'm thinking that there'll essentially be a, some kind of confrontation between the two or maybe an alliance. I don't know, but I, I felt like they've subverted most of my expectations with the Judy King storyline. Oh, huh. um, but then again, maybe that's because I see her as a, a little bit of reflection of how I would be like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm well-meaning and well-intentioned, but I really don't know what I'm doing and I don't want to piss anyone off. And, um, but you're I, not I, a rapist, and she's a rapist. That's true. That's where the show is complicated because and that's something like Kelly was talking last year. How that's a kind of Gingy Cohen thing where yes. she swings wildly between yes extreme empathy for these characters, but then like oh but wait a second they raped a person or but mm-hmm. they shanked a person or but they set someone on fire and it it works surprisingly well in the prison because there's like you know um, people are large and they contain multitudes, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. She ends up raping, but you know they had the waka waka music, so <laughs> so it makes it okay, really soften right? the blow. Honestly, yeah, it's like a little bit of sprinkles <laughs> on top of that one. Uh, I, I think the, the only thing we didn't address is the new currency this season, which so is rather maxi than pa- or, or, being, or tampons, yeah, <laughs> rather than stamps being the thing, it's all about maxi pads and tampons. So Cecily. Yeah, Cecily, um, I'm proud of. She spotted a huge, perhaps glaring inconsistency. Okay, these are like the super prized thing this year, right? Because they're non-essential sanitary products, Mm. which is another rip from the headlines thing that you know that's like people like uh, you know men. If we're gonna if we're gonna use a label accurate, don't understand that this is not like gold bond medicated powder like this isn't (laughs) something that like you get a little bit of swamp ass when it's hot and you need something to cool your ball no this is something that you (laughs) you have to deal with uh every month and it's a month for several days and they added a hundred new inmates who are all gonna it's a bad deal it's a bad deal um but she pointed out that in the one last scene where everyone is is very cute they, they started constructing like a blanket city (laughs) Um, you know, and pillow forts and all that stuff. Um, in that scene where they're getting all towered down, several women still had the maxi pad sleeping masks. That was kind of like one of the life hacks in the prison from season one. And she pointed out like, if these are selling for five bucks a pop, why would you cling on to one to use it for a mask? And I'm like, huh, I wonder if they lost that plot a little bit. This is a minor nitpick. No, but I mean, I think that that's a, a a good point for her to to bring up. I just think it's interesting that when we first are introduced to that piece of the plot line is all the women are in line mm-hmm. and nobody planned for the fact that you're going to have to increase that inventory. And ironically, the person in charge of purchasing is a woman. <laughs> sure. So they definitely miss that. And But on the other hand, Linda is not exactly... She doesn't exactly give a shit either, which is <laughs> you mean why. She doesn't menstruate. Oh well, uh-huh. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe she thinks it's fun to use dinosaur uh, sponges Maybe or whatever. That Eva cup thing. That yeah, a nod to what the Because Show talked about on and off. I've heard a lot of women that have tried to rave about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not scared I, of it. Well, sure. I mean, that's the thing. But if it is, um, and I'm, you know, it's like no, the shit isn't one size fits all. <laughs> Literally, you have to have to like be fitted for. Fitted for by a doctor because, like, it makes sense, right? 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Everybody's internal dim- dimensions are not consistent. It's like Doctor Who up in there. You can't, you know, just because <laughs> Doctor it's Who a, and the Who Just because it's a TARDIS on the, you know, a phone, bo- a police box on the outside doesn't mean it can't be a six bedroom mansion or vice versa. <laughs> um, I think that I don't know what I'm talking about. Why am I having opinions on feminine? You, you continue to talk, Pialani. Yeah, no, I was just gonna <laughs> was wondering where you were going with all this. You had all this passion about talking well, about Well, I stuff. I find that I find that stuff is int- like I really like reading um like the Reddit subreddits on okay. like sex and sexuality. Okay. Sure. And like seeing women rave about like feminine hygiene products that I don't <laughs> I barely understand or like, you know, women like some women are super passionate about IUDs and how they're great no. and some women mm-hmm. think they're the devil and I, I I just think it's interesting, but it's it's more something I follow um you know uh vicariously so yeah but i think the the dark side of this lack of maxi pads in the prison is that um it's inhumane right i mean the reason that there are young girls that don't go to school is sometimes when they're on their period they're not allowed to leave the house right so they don't have any way to deal with being on their period so they can't go out and get educated and so then we think about this from a prison standpoint. How are these women supposed to deal with something that's going to inevitably happen every month? And I'm assuming they don't let them take birth control that can sort of lighten their their flow. That's interesting. That's very interesting because you think so, that I would mean, be – I mean you can't force people to take it. but No. Yeah. I don't know. I, I will see how this plays out also. But then tampons become the big commodity. So – Yeah. Um, We'll see. Black Cindy's got a whole box of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plus Tasty. I mean, they, it seems like the Tasty's crew's got a way to where maybe they're going to make some easy money. Um, I don't know. That, that's because that's, you know, they got the, we talked about that um, in a roundabout way, but um, the new currency being maxi pads and tampons is is interesting to me. I wonder, like, I wonder which is worth more. Like, what's the conversion rate? <laughs> like is this is a biggie small situation like uh i don't know but it's also just a basic human comfort kind of thing I was, like how yeah i was trying to trying to analogize it for dudes but there's really no direct i mean it's like not be, people not giving you toilet paper but like then that's kind of like leans into the whole this is unclean thing when it's mm-hmm. you know just it's um i, I the, yeah it's the thing like we don't really have a direct equivalent i of don't something think like there this. is a parallel for nope. you guys nope it's one of those unfortunately things. so i mean i'm i'm curious to see how this plays out in the prison um if it if they're if the prisoners are using maxi pads as eye masks because they think that more maxi pads are coming in the next round of you know purchasing deliveries that's one thing but what if they don't come i don't know maybe that's a that's a baller status like if you're using mm-hmm. maxi pad for eye mask you're rolling in commissary right dough. but then what are you using when you're on your period <laughs> are you using one of your socks or are you using those no i'm saying like because that... it seems like you can buy for 10 bucks a pop so if you have someone from the outside feeding you commissary it's kind of like um a maxi pad sleep mask is the new iPhone headphones. Like everybody yeah. loved to have be seen with those white ass uh, earphones because that yeah. that meant you had five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars in your pocket. Maybe the women are like wearing the sleep masks. That's just a way to be like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. My family putting in crazy money in my commissary. I can, yeah. I can, I can use these as to block out light. I don't need to I soak hear- up my menstrual fluids. I hear what you're saying, but the the issue was. <laughs> 
there was no inventory in the free part of yes, no, the giveaway. No, right. There was no inventory of maxi pads. You could only buy tampons and for ten dollars a box. There's also the and you other... can't wear a tampon as an eye, eye mask. And it's it's also you're right. You, <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> I mean, uh, you could stick them in your ears. That's I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, well, <laughs> challenge accepted. I'm going to devise a way to knit these things together in some kind <laughs> of like um, taxi cab seat mat thing that yeah. uh, you could put over your eyes. But um. And this this is this whole situation is Kafka as fuck because yeah. there's the free sure. ones are gone. Sure. The commissary ones are hella expensive. And also most of the people are unemployed because the jobs yeah. program has not kept up with the increase in prison yeah. population. It's like really, really a three sixty degree fuck you. Um mm-hmm. to especially the new girls, because as they point out, the OG inmates are getting preferential treatment for the job placement. Right. So and they have to make up jobs, and then what? Ha- well, I guess you'll see what happens in the next few episodes. So oh, we'll talk about that later. Look at you with the spoiler teaser. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, anything else we want to talk about before we get to? We got a little bit of light feedback uh, oh, to consider. Let's do some feedback. Um, exciting. Nathan writes, and of course you can send in feedback to orange at baldmove.com or on forums forums.baldmove.com. We've got the episodes already pre-broken down into three episode chunks where you can everyone can talk about and not. Oh. You're not, so not be afraid of spoilers. Well, it's also she had Cecily set this up for me. So you go Cecily. All, all credit to her. Uh, Nathan said, "I didn't really like the young kid actor playing young Healy. Uh, he, in my experience, added a whole new level of hatred to the character via bad <laughs> acting. Oh, Did no. you? I mean, I try to grow soft on the kid actors because you know most most of their missteps can probably be uh, chalked up to bad direction and." Directors not knowing how to direct kids, but sure, I sure. thought he was like Healy is an awkward, weird, big dude, and it, I believe I believe that he would be an awkward, weird little dude. Yeah, I I think that Nathan was being a little hard on that actor. I mean, it was there were two scenes with that child mm-hmm. actor, and it was very much about I want my mom back. I don't understand what's going on, and then the next scene was. My mom doesn't understand me. She made me something that I'm allergic to that could kill me. And then right. she left. Yeah. I mean, that's really all we saw from him. So I don't know that it, how he could have acted any better in those scenes. I mean, you know. There's... And it was very much like Healy. I thought physically sure. you could see him growing up to be that older actor. Sure. Uh, which we didn't talk about his unfortunate uh, <laughs> facial facial hair in the, the young Healy scenes. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Healy's a night. Oh, he's just a nightmare. Um yeah. He continues, of course, Piper would be the one to create a White Lives Matter group. It feels so <laughs> satisfying that everything's going wrong for her. She's like the Cersei of the prison. She always makes everything worse and is in total denial about her incompetence. That's an apt comparison. Yeah. High and five, Nathan. That's good. I, I would like love it. for Tasty and Pousset to hang her with that Cersei label. <laughs> um, oh, that's one thing. We didn't talk about Pousset and Soso's relationship and how... It turned like one thing I've been yearning for Pousset ever since her ill-fated um, advances towards Tasty yeah. is for her to find someone that she can love. And yeah. I know things are complicated in the whole munching department and the recipro- recipro- reciprocity of the oral favors and whatnot. Um, but it was nice to get the, for them to exchange the I love yous. I thought that that, yeah. that got an awe from me. Yeah, I thought that. Um... Calling her a pillow princess, which is a term I had never heard, was was appropriate. And yet, and you I, immediately understood. The, I, I love it when I hear a new term. Like I didn't get the whole Dominican talk of vapor rub, 
Like, oh. like what? What the fuck? But Pillow Princess, you hear Pillow Princess, and I'm like, ah, I know exactly what that is. Like, another one I heard someone say, uh, a, a girl was saying that she goes starfish in bed. Oh. It, it was like, okay, that to me, yeah, that, that, that I, I understand what they're talking about with that, too. Okay. I got, yeah, so we had, I think in this stretch, we had Pillow Princess, and then, of course... We had uh, Piscatella talk about being a beard or having a beard since he was 15. <laughs> two. Two one, beard, one that he wore to prom and one that he took the prom. <laughs> That's right. That was so good. <laughs> so good. It. So yeah. good. Um, so so I, I like the romance, you know, to answer your question. I think it's sweet. Um, it's interesting they're letting Brooke sit there at the black table. And so she's listening to things and she's saying things um without any intent to be offensive but perhaps some things can hit you wrong if you're listening to it in a way to be defensive sure but i do like that pusey's um happy she's a good actress i want her to have more material I, um i'd like to see more pusey and i i think we'll see what happens because anytime something is really happy it's just like it's just like game of thrones like something's going to get fucked up yeah no totally and he also um um and also yeah where we're handing out kudos uh, samira wiley is uh so good and she's you know one of those juilliard trained serious actresses all you know we also didn't talk about susan and or suzanne Suzanne and uh lorna's uh sleuthing we're finally getting (laughs) some poop sleuthing yeah the comic relief piece of yes uh, that's that's the chicken plot of this the season i suppose it is um he also pointed out nathan did that uh with some screenshots that the prison yard uh that nikki was cleaning out when she was kind of savoring the sunshine and the breeze is the exact same prison yard that was shown in daredevil this season where like wilson fisk the kingpin first met the punisher Oh, yeah, you wow. can. Oh, yeah. It's exactly the same That's set. Totally right. Exa- Good call, it must be David. some kind of upstate New York abandoned prison that Hollywood's filming at because. Yeah. Or it's it, a set that looks really good. Yeah, it's true. It could be a set, a reused set, but it's uh, there's something about the faded paint, which I guess could just be prison neglect, but it tells me probably abandoned prison. But um, yeah, well, good. I don't know. Prop people are pretty good. That's a good call there, Nathan. Good catch, nice Nathan. Job. Yeah. Uh, Matt said Piper's digging herself deeper and deeper into this Godfather fantasy she's got going on in her head. <laughs> She's playing at being a kingpin, but in reality, she has no idea what she's doing. I would say that I can't wait to see her comeuppance, but I fear her actions will have negative consequences to some of the other characters that I actually care about. Um, As voiced by Boo, she's like, can you think of someone beside yourself for one moment yeah, and yeah. not fuck us all? And Piper, yeah. of course, says, no, I can't. Um, she's 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 kind of the worst. I, I don't I don't like Piper. She is the worst, but I don't mind her this season. She is generating I mean, I, she's an she's an efficient little plot engine. I'll she's, say that. Yeah, she's it's enriching the plot. It's gonna be bad though. I just have a bad, bad feeling about what's gonna happen. Don't I just I guess after four seasons I was just hoping to see some self awareness from her. You know? Again yeah. again, it's weird that like the rapist is getting more character development than <laughs> than Piper. <laughs> So Piper and Healy are the uh, ones Piper that Piper and have Healy no are the ones that I think about what how far Caputo has come and, and yeah. our understanding of him and all these women and the different guards and I by the way, cannot wait. I hope we get a Piscatella flashback. I want a Piscatella oh, flashback so bad. Yeah. That would be entertaining. Okay. But, but we keep getting these different angles and but but Piper and Healy are the two kind of unchanging things in this. They're all 
you know, and and he and I guess maybe Healy's got more reason than you know. Piper's worst problem is that she's waspy and her parents were kind of detached and her dad's judge. I mean, I guess that's all stew for your angsty mill. But goddamn, I really would mm. like to see her. You know, like uh, like Alex's frustration with how oblivious she is to everything, and Boo's frustration, and the fact that she. Again, this is something she's doing for fun and for 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 you know it, it's it's her version of weaving a plastic shopping cart gift bag that that Pensatucky's doing. Well, she said it's fun, but she also says very clearly it gives her purpose. I guess right? so, it's like, so. It's not just fun for her. It's like it gives her something. She feels like she's helping these women by giving them money, but it also is her control and her power, right? This is theme that's all throughout the show. It's about individuals yeah, having power. That's true, but it's so it, it's when it get, when it keeps when it keeps Ruiz from seeing her daughter for five more years. Like I, you know, that I guess you, everything you say is true, but on the other hand, I don't like Piper and yeah. I like Ruiz, and I thought it was so cute her and her boyfriend's backstory. Mm. You know, as cute as. Um, as drug dealing and yeah, crime can be sure, sure, adorable. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like I just yes. would like yes, for yes, her yes. to to get I back do. on, could go back to being a dental hygienist. But now it seems like she's <laughs> going to lean even more into. She's broke bad. Yeah, a, a, a rebad batter. <laughs> um, so that's all the feedback we got. Again, orange at baldmove dot com. If you want to send in more or Facebook or not, sorry, Facebook. Uh, forums at baldmove.com. Facebook, too. You can talk about it on Facebook as well. Yeah, talk about it on Facebook because I don't get to the forums as often as I should, but I should pop on there, I think. You should pop on there. Yeah. Um, so anything else? Any last words? You want to, any, any plugs? Any uh, any any uh, closing statements? Because we're going to have you on at least one more time. At least that's um, my hope. Yeah, I definitely am am ready to do the the second set of three and possibly the Chime wrap in for the wrap-up cast. Yeah, yeah, because I'd love to talk to Cecily about this, too. It's always fun to, yeah. to have two women on the cast talking about this show. Gang up on me. I'll be you the know, minority. Never, never. You are definitely an ally. I think the, sh- the season is um, it's much easier to watch than season three was. There was a time in season three when I was like, oh, my God, I have to podcast on this episode. Yeah. Whereas this one, I'm really excited. Like, the first three just came right out of the, right out of the door, just running and gunning. Yep. And huge story plots developing right away, and I'm all for it. I'm excited about this. Season. I like the format too, because even though it's a lot of work, and, and you know, obviously we're tipping the scales at two hours on this beast, but <laughs> um, doing it in three episode chunks tends to to smooth out the unevenness of the binge sometimes. Sure, because that was the thing. Like my criticism of last season is that it was uneven more than it just being like sure. objectively bad, but. Um, so yeah, I like. I know again, it's do we definitely lose things when we consider them as bulk episodes? But also yeah. we gain. Maybe we get, uh, we get deeper deep dives in the conversation. But you know, I don't know. It's, but we miss a few things. I think one thing miss. I want you to your assignment. Oh, should you, should you choose to accept it? Is to pay attention to the puns, especially from Suzanne, because we didn't get to talk about that. But there's tons. There are tons of puns. Sure. This season in Orange is the New Black. So yeah, that's the, just that's pay the, attention. That's the thing that drives me crazy because like one of the most <laughs> delightful things is when someone says, what's better than – was it money? And she just <laughs> rattled off without even taking a breath all these things that are objectively – She like, said pizza twice, which at, I love. And like most animals. And like <laughs> it's just like all these things that she's so 
Ah, she's so sweet and good and yeah. adorable, but also and a brilliant actress. Yep. Um, but also, some, you know, she's in there because she hurt someone. I wonder yeah. if we'll ever figure out exactly. I mean, it's one of those things where I don't need to see all the connecting dots um, to understand why she ended up where she's at. But on the other hand, I can never get enough of this this character and getting her backstory more, even more of a backstory would be awesome. Yeah, I agree. Suzanne, go Suzanne. More Suzanne. Um, all right. That is the episode. We'll be back uh, sometime in the not-too-distant future with episodes 7 through 9. And we'll bring Pilani back for episodes 10 through 12 and hopefully the uh, the wrap-up cast. Thanks oh, for yeah, joining. Definitely. Thanks for taking t- – I know because, you know, you, you people that uh, don't do podcasting full-time job, it's a – it is a strain to have to suddenly watch all this television and talk about it. And I appreciate you uh, being willing to help help me out. Yeah, well, thank the weather challenges in Atlanta and uh, Florida for my long delay at thank Atlanta Thank you for airport. being miserable, ATL <laughs> Airport. And I got bronchitis on that trip, so we had to delay this, <laughs> this recording. So thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for to bacterial infections <laughs> and the fact that man has still yet to conquer them all. <laughs> Pilani brought to you by shitty airports and infectious disease mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the letter Y and the, and the number seven. Uh, so thanks for bringing out. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Aaron. Bye everybody.